This podcast is for mature audiences only and may include cussing, cursing, fidgeting, rambling, insensitive or irreverent material, slurs, catchphrases, expressions, lamentations, and or degradations that aren't suitable for young folk. Also, we'll be talking about the reefer. That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers the toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, Dan crash lands into RimWorld and gets down and dirty with the locals. Andy gets sassy with Bayonetta on the Switch and goes budtender for a night. We look at game releases from early June. The Elder Scrolls Online is releasing a new expansion in the sun. A new gaming phone is in the works and promises not to suck. And Red Faction makes another appearance in our lives. Some Red Dead Redemption news. Uppity politicians in Oklahoma. Our boy Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions does the weed industry a solid. High Times hides weed in all our nooks and crannies. And are clicker games a real thing? You'll find out. We'll also be settling in for a smoke sesh with our strain and our munchie of the week, so stick around for that because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always, the one, the only, the slightly high on his high horse, Dank Dan. hey Andy. hey purple. <laughs> hey The Purple Dungeon Pod is gassed up and ready for launch. We've actually got a dark matter chamber full of top 10 lists. We're ready to rock. Oh, man, that dark matter chamber will go a long, long, long time. (laughs) It has infinite possibility and power. We can do a top 10 list like nobody can. We tried to do, we double up on a top 10 list, top 20. We're just going to bang it out one podcast. What was it, nine podcasts later? Yeah, yeah. So I, I I forget, is the dark matter machine the one with more caffeine or less caffeine? Uh, oddly enough, less. Yeah, it's weird, right? I always weird. get gassed up on these breakfast roasts. I'm like, I would like something light, please. And then they hit me with the business. Yeah, yeah. You think you're getting a blonde, and to that says to me, easy going, not too much trouble. In for they a good really time. Should, they really should call it the redhead of coffee because it's it's gonna wake you up in the morning. Oh, dude, we're like two minutes in. You can't be hating on gingers already. Oh, hating nothing. There's the you've you've interpreted my comments in just the reverse order. <laughs> You're all about gingers in the first three minutes. I would never even say ginger. I would not just just uh, redheads are are God's creatures. I see. Understood. Well, we've gone religious, still under three minutes. I like it. Good stuff. Welcome to the Purple Dungeon Squid, folks. If this is your first time listening in to this uh, miraculous miracle of podcasting goodness, uh, we're here to talk about some weed and some video games. Isn't that right, Daniel? That is correct. And Andy's going to be the captain of this particular carnival cruise. 
Yes, and it will be a carnival. There's no doubt there. Uh, Daniel, it's been a little while, buddy. Um, I'm I'm happy to to feel as if we're back in the swing of things after that little bit of little bit of space turbulence we, we hit back yeah. in May. Uh, those those long periods of of crying, shaking, huddled in a corner, and wishing for podcasting time. Oh man, to, to say we're in the swing of things, there was a couple false starts. We needed a couple uh, pushes on this particular swing set to get moving. Yes, it's true. It's true. Um, but you know that you haven't podcasted in a while when it takes you like six start and stops. <laughs> and uh, yet here we are, somewhat you're professional. Take, you're a two-take guy. You know, Andy, all kidding aside, one do-over is usually your max, um, unless it's something, unless we've like lost cabin pressure in the back it's, half somewhere. We, we sure we're have. To, we're like, why do my feet feel so weird? <laughs> Oh my goodness! What have you been up to, my man? It's been a, it's been a, what feels like a long week, and that's probably because there's been weddings and like moving involved. I, I moved a buddy uh, this past weekend, which I got to be honest was probably the easiest move for a buddy I've ever performed. Like normally, a, a buddy asks you to give him a hand moving, and here's what you can expect: you can expect two, three hours to turn into the entire weekend, and his four to five dudes that are going to help to be utterly not there so non-existent. Uh, they're they're non-existent. actually his, his pet gerbils let me guess yes you just piled his belongings in the backyard and had a good old-fashioned bonfire <laughs> that's usually that's the great. move right so, right so are we uh, is this is this going to be a kijiji thing or are we surrendering this to the natural earth um but yeah no it, it was uh, it was surprisingly light so uh i'm feeling feeling fresh and invigorated after a week of weekend of moving um but what about yourself buddy what have you been up to well in, in our in our little break there andy Dank Dan did a little bit of goat yoga. Okay, that sounds illegal. Oh, no. Holy goat, goat yoga, please, please expand. Well, you know, my sweet, sweet lady turned to me and she said, Dan, did, did you want to do, do some goat yoga? I go, that sounds like a terrible idea. When are we doing it? Oh, so, yeah. I like that you're a yes man, Dan. I like that you're up for anything. It explains yeah. how we got you on this podcast and how you're That's somehow right. still here. You know, it's funny. Normally, Andy, for you to talk me into something, you got to knuckle up me under for like several weeks. But I said yes to this surprisingly quick. Yeah, it's true. It was one of your, one of your better errors in judgment. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, Go Yoga is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, we went to a, a nearby Pioneer Village, which is where they recreate the Pioneer lifestyle. And in, in a in a uh, impromptuly comprised... Some might uh, say they never stopped performing the Pioneer lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. They might say that. They'd be wrong. But I mean, I, I mean people say all kinds of shit. <laughs> who, decide, so, who decides they want to start a Pioneer Village, though? There's got to be some sort of heritage there, you know? It's not like a some, bunch of dudes so, who are like, man, I'm tired of working for Xerox. We should really start a Pioneer Village. You're so close to the mark. Lou lost his job in, in central sales direction at Xerox. And he's like, you know what? These machines are ruining our lives. Let's go churn some butter and teach the children our sweet ways. And then, yeah, they did. So anyway. I mean, that's a, that's a much nicer story than I had anticipated. So fair enough. You did well. So uh, we go to this uh, uh, sort of fenced-in area, fresh grass. There's, uh, I'm, of course, the only gentleman uh, to be seen. And about 20 of us lay down our yoga mats. I borrowed a yoga mat, which t- ended up being a very good idea. And they let these um, pygmy goats loose. Now, pygmy goats are, are a little bit different than your standard goat. A, they're smaller. And B, they're much less of the sort of uh, goatish 
uh, bastard that you'd expect. Like a goat will like ram you in the chest and then eat your face. You know, they, they're not very nice. They have those horrifying rectangle eyes uh, devoid of any human emotion. But pygmy goats are a little different. They're from Africa and their strat, their, 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 uh, their gaming strat is find another herd of larger animals and sort of let them be the signal if something's going to go wrong. So they'll find some, you know, water buffalo and watch them. And if the water buffalo start getting tense, they, they move on. They mosey with them. So that means they're kind of more of a companion animal and they're sensitive to, let's use the word energy. Are you right. comfortable with that, Andy? Can I, uh, can I trot out that word? Sure, man. You're projecting from your chakras. They're picking it all up. My chakras. Those are my chocolate-flavored chakras. Your fifth and sixth eyes are open, and the goats are mm. receiving. Here comes my sacral. So anyway, um, Those so we, poor proceed, goats. we proceed to do some, like, uh, your standard yoga session. And it's pretty cool. The, the, the goats are moving around, and, and uh, they tend to congregate around the, the, the people with sort of the calmest energy. But then something, and I'm having a good or the, time. Or the stinkiest sweatpants. That too. But I'm not going to lie to you. Then something amazing happens. Oh uh, one of the goats wanders near somebody in the front corner and proceeds to just drop an entire pant load of um, goat marbles. <laughs> and if you don't know, goats, <laughs> goats extrude these uh, blueberry-sized um, uh, little nuggets. They kind of roll out of them like a like a, a a biological Rube Goldberg machine and this is the last stop <laughs> and and you know what we can only be described as like a tic-tac can size uh, of amount of urine hits hits this girl's yoga mat and what I love is like the art of because everyone's so the term okay yoga like the opposite of ropey just everyone's so relaxed that like she's clearly horrified by that people are snicking around but she's going to fake she's going to draw a level of artifice that she's totally fine with this this happens all the time i mean listen so man like, you signed up for goat yoga if there's a little goat poop involved that's i, I feel that i, I I'm, I'm picking up that vibration i think that for starting some in the lower people, colon of the goat some for some people this is something that they didn't think of until the effluvium started rolling out of the, the quarter end of this animal and my sweet lady says, which one, which session should we go to? There's four. I'm like, oh, we're going to the first session. I want to be there when the goats roll out, not after they've been rolling around for five hours. <laughs> so anyway, they, they swap that, this mat out. They have backup mats. They clean off her mat. Um, and uh, it happens four or five more times. And it's just... The, for real the, so there's just like when, a it turns from like a peaceful afternoon of expressing your inner creativity amidst beautiful herd animals to just like a just a festival of of, of poop so this is what i know andy nature doesn't ask permission you know sure does and 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 a lot of us we kind of like make up our world we like kind of pretend that life is this thing that we decide what it is but then nature rolls in and it goes <laughs> <laughs> what? And it, and then it, it it takes a big crap on your yoga mat. And, you know, it was a mixture of very nice people. Like, they put on a great thing, and we had a great time. It was a ton of fun. But it's very cool to see, you know, life say, hey, come on over here and meet me on my terms. Sometimes it's relaxing, and deep breaths are filling your body with air and life. And sometimes there's goat shit on your heels. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, what a wonderful metaphor for life, Daniel. I got to ask, though, uh, doing a little goat yoga seems to me the yep. perfect, like the ideal yoga session for uh, chuffing a bone beforehand. So let me ask, did you, did you get a little smoking? 
Um, between you and me, I had a little bit of that 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 horny goat weed before we rolled in. Oh, um, and and I I have to say without 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 uh, uh, you know getting getting too high and mighty on myself, I had a mass of goats congregating around me, and I knew I was too deep when one started nibbling on my ear. So <laughs> so I lay down, and there's a, like a calming part at the end where you're you're kind of doing some vision questing, is what I like to call it. You're doing some it's imagination time. You're laying sure. down, and your eyes are closed, and as my eyes are closed, I see some hoofs pass by my face. And then through your third eye because your eyes are closed. Then a series of nipples just drag right across my mouth and my lips. <laughs> and I think to myself, boy, I'm glad they didn't bring any male goats. Oh, man. <laughs> what a what a salty gyro, g- g- I'd say. Gyro. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Well. Um, it sounds like remember, a remember when you asked me though. who should who should talk at the top of the podcast. Yeah, I said, "Ooh, me, me." <laughs> well, I'll keep this uh, whole conversation in mind for next time. Yeah. Old go- goat tit face Dan, we're gonna oh, just, buddy. We're just step off. We're gonna step off our our uh, our platform here. Just we're for just gonna push you off. <laughs> Just gonna push you off from that one. Um, it sounds like a good time. You know what? Uh, yoga. I don't know if I've ever told you about the time that I participated in yoga after after smoking a little bowl. Um, I won't. I won't go too deep into it. But it was an embarrassing moment where I realized that I had expressed myself a little too fully. I was mm-hmm. in a group. I was in a group of uh, of of young ladies with a good friend. Um, and they were all really, you know, feeling the yoga, and I was my first time. And uh, at one point, I guess I didn't hear the instructor say, open your eyes after the initial breathing session. And so I proceeded to do most of the yoga class with my eyes closed, relying only on the description of uh, what bodily <laughs> actions I was supposed to <laughs> I was supposed to be undertaking uh, from the instructor. So at one point, halfway through the session, I opened my eyes. I have my arms stretched up towards the sun like a tree. I've got one leg lifted gently off the ground. Um, and my, I, to my dismay, my shorts are bunched up around my buttocks like a, like a, a pair of MC Hammer parachute pants missing the legs. Uh, and I realized that everyone else is in downward dog. It was, uh, it was quite, quite the moment. That's so great, man. I can only picture because sometimes I try to just listen to, to what, what the instructor is saying and something said like, uh, bring, bring your knee to your your sacral point while lifting your heels skyward. <laughs> but I'm so stubborn that like I didn't want I didn't want to open my eyes and no. look around and you know, I know what my sacral point is. That's fine. I'm just uh, a- must be right here somewhere. Andy's an ace from session one and everyone's got to know that. Yeah, but the best, you know, I think it, at some point, like, there was maybe some initial giggling, but at some yeah. point, they just thought I was some, like, transcendent master who had rolled in. Oh, yeah. And was practicing the, the maybe the proper routine. <laughs> maybe he, that's what was happening. He emerged from Death Valley with two tablets inscribed with the deep wisdom of the body, and for him, his, his sacral point is on his forehead. <laughs> yes. Yes, <laughs> that's reach it. For it. That's a great. That's a great one, buddy. There's I came never with. Uh, been... I came with two tickets to the gun show, also. So just get at me. Hit me up on Twitter. H M U. Good. Good transition. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I had a I had a crazy experience this past week. So we uh, at work we um we were participating in a launch party for one of the one of the new LPs, licensed producers up here in Canada. It was great, great party at Rebel. It's one of the I actually think it is the largest club in Toronto. Uh, it's next to Cabana Pool Bar. It's this wonderful kind of just outside of the downtown core um, club. 
that has a beautiful view of the Toronto skyline and, you know, a lot of space for, for doing, doing the party in. And we were there working. So, uh, you know, we were trying to, trying to find a way to promote our, our company and to, you know, to, to be fun, active sponsors of the event. So what we did was bring 20 bongs to this, to this event, which was mostly attended by cannabis investors, you know, affluent, well-to-do folks who had invested well into the Toronto cannabis market and were milling about, you know, eating expensive um, appetizers and otherwise enjoying themselves. We came in with about $400 of weed and shatter, set up 20 bongs into a big old smoke bar and proceeded to uh, smoke out half of, uh, half of the financial district. Now, <laughs> Andy, what, what did the proprietors of uh, said establishment have to say about that? It was fascinating to me. So this is this was my thing, right? Because you know, you, you get in there and you're like, okay, we're we're gonna go for it. We're at a club. It's a very expensive club. The odds are very good that our ability to set up a dab and smoke bar is not going to be it's just not limited. gonna be tolerated. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, be I mean, limited. Yeah, that's your assumption. But you know, listen, I'm an optimist. I always like to uh, <laughs> to hope for the best. And so you know, we we bring this this large sum of uh, of cannabis with us. And you know, what's fascinating is people just start sort of gravitating over. You know, they, it takes one person to joke about, hey, are, are you guys going to be sampling anything today? Everyone laughs nervously. And then I pull out $400 worth of weed. <laughs> so, just, so. just, just, bam. I don't know. Bam. Are, are we? And, you know, next you got a team of six dudes. We're all filling up bongs with water bottles, right? Because we've got a case of water behind the display. We're filling up bongs with water bottles. Johnny busts out a, a, a big torch. Um, and the rest of the night is history, man. I, you know, I turn around and, and see our staff just sitting there doing dabs for, uh, you know, the folks who, who are relatively high profile in our city. Uh, and it was just, it was a cool thing to watch because, you know, outside of the novelty of it all, you've got what, for me at least, symbolized very much um, a real a real just state of the union of cannabis in Toronto. You know, it's a city that's embracing it. People who, uh, you know, haven't smoked and sure, surely met, you know, more people than not that hadn't smoked in 10, 20, 30 years coming up there. They feel part of the movement. They feel part of the industry. They're excited to try some cannabis. And, and it was a really positive experience for a lot of folks. I think the bar had a little bit of a time, uh, recouping their, their cash earnings for the evening. Um, and you know, what was fascinating is at some point I, I was waiting for the club manager to come over, shut the whole thing down, you know, just just whatever. I was I was I was anticipating that. And you of had course, already practiced your apology speech. I had. You were ready. I, you were you were going to concede. And Andy, you're you're a great starter. You're a great finisher. But one of your greatest skills is you'll concede like a motherfucker. <laughs> It's true, man. I mean, listen, I'm not one for I'm not one for being a belligerent jerk no. in someone else's house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we'll push the envelope a little bit and see where we get. But you know, at yeah. the first at the first sign of uh, of, of turbulent waters, we would have pulled you'll, out instantly. You'll, un- you'll unbutton a couple of the top blouse buttons, but as soon as as soon as she says no, thank you, you button her up and you bring her right home. That's it, buddy. No means no. No means no. Don't no you forget no. it. Um, so fast forward to the end of the night. I've got you know. Uh, and I don't. I won't go too in depth on the full for the full roster of personnel that we're milling about. Please don't. <laughs> I won't. I won't do that. But um, we've got just about everyone of consequence leaving with a bong and a good smoke before the night was adjourned. So there was. Uh, so there was no issue. It was all simpatico, and it was yeah, it was just a really positive experience. Uh, yeah. So, I, so thumbs up. What I love about this is like, 
you created this safe sp space for people that may have never smoked or like you said it had been two decades for them to smoke and while at the same time this is clearly a safe space getting blasted on dabs at a club in public in downtown toronto might be the worst idea do you know what i mean like like a, a launch that you're on you are just physically unprepared for like like marijuana and weed has fundamentally changed over the last 25 years and you're just like uh sir madame just step onto this launch platform okay great we are now leaving orbit like <laughs> i can i no, can see no, a lot no. we, we were lot responsible with like gently oh, oh and i mean i get it i'm sure you didn't intentionally push no, anyone no. Little, into a little, dark place listen man little dabs that was the here that was that the mode concession. of the that here was comes it. That oh it's such a good concession and, and, and you know here, here's picture, the thing Everyone yeah. wanted to try dab. Like it's yeah. it's it's like the new hotness, right? And it's it's become oh, very apparent that extracts are are, you know, very popular. It was at least a 50-50 dab to herb evening, right? Um, mm. but you know, we 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 hooked folks up with a nice little dab, very conservative, just enough to get a little tune on, but not enough to dab out or or, or you know, feel uncomfortable. And I got to be honest, like Talking to security that evening, we were joking about it after the fact. Didn't have one call. Didn't have one call the whole party, my friend. I'd, I'd like to think that we have something to do with that. Uh, no, no question. Except from the bartenders that were like, are you, are you serious, Jim? You're going to let this happen? You're going to let this go on? <laughs> do you know Do you know how many gin smashes I've made today? One for one. myself. <laughs> it's so true, man. It was It was like, it's so funny because the vibe on the patio, because of course we had it set up outside, not in the club. We were on the smoking patio. Um, so you and hear the, that fire marshal? Hear you we, that fire marshal, Jim? We only broke four out of 10 lots. <laughs> It was uh, it was it was just a very very earnest very chill vibe so hands up um, boy that, so that was a fun experience the rest of the week though was spent uh, putting around to various video game stores and trying to find myself a purple an atomic purple Game Boy color I don't know how it is that I haven't managed to land my mitts on this I won't call it a grail because it's a pretty readily available thing it's like forty bucks just about anywhere you find it but it feels like the entire city does not have one and I'm too stubborn to buy one online I want to touch it. <laughs> I want to feel it. I want to find. I want the thrill of the find, Dan. Do you know what I mean? You want to uncover it with your own hands. Yeah, I want an experience. That's what re that's what retail is all about. Yeah, yeah. We'll say that anyway. So that was most of my week on uh, on the hunt for a Game Boy Color and running a dab bar. It's not bad, man. It's not bad. <laughs> you could do worse. You could do worse. Well, what do you think here, my friend? You want to you wanna run down our sponsors? Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and continue on with those before you answer. Now for our sponsors. <laughs> this episode of Purple Dungeon Squid, Dan, can you guess? Can you guess who's brought us this, this wonderful, bountiful 22nd episode of the uh, Purple Dungeon Squid podcast? I couldn't fathom. You couldn't guess? No. Not even if it was the 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 old video games and the Marahoochie. Weed ah, video games. We salute you. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, also brought to you by a close friend's escaped chimpanzee. What's that? What's that, Jane? M Mittens is loose. No, I'm not coming over. No, of course not. Okay, I am coming over with my shotgun. <laughs> there you go. Brought to you by Dress Socks. By the way chimpanzees i saw that one movie what was that movie on an airplane uh the terrifying one from the early 90s where all you know that they bring home an orangutan or a chimpanzee and it ends up being like the harbinger of disease that ultimately ends up causing a massive out outbreak i think is the name of the movie operation dumbo drop 
No, that's not it. Anyway, brought to you by Dress Socks with Running Shoes. What? This, this Nike doesn't go with this rich Paisley? <laughs> brought to you by When Are You Getting Married? Well, Janet, it's none of your goddamn business. <laughs> I got an idea. <laughs> this relationship's going well. Let's get the government involved. You're very confrontational today in your improv, Dan. Brought I to you it, by LeBron James's Tears. Come here, LeBron. Come here. Come here. LeBron, come here. Let me just taste them. Oh, they're so good. Oh, life-giving tears. <laughs> you don't get four championships, dude. You don't. No, doesn't happen. Brought to you finally by Squirrel Nut Cream. Have you been running around trying to score acorns all day and develop just a nasty rash on your nuptials? Soothe those down with Squirrel Nut Cream. Mmm, in a can. If you want to actually sponsor the show, feel free to email us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Until then, you'll have to put up with all of this nonsense. I'll never stop. He won't stop until he drops. Oh boy, Danny boy, Danny boy. Finally uh, getting around to some video game reviews after that two-week uh, top ten list. It, it feels good, and it felt like we gave 20 rapid-fire, not-so-rapid-fire game reviews. So it's going to be, this is like a more gentle podcast for us. Yeah, I'm excited to get back into this pace. Um, here's the thing, you know, I, I'm, listeners, please go ahead and shoot us, off a, uh, shoot us off some emails, because I really like the idea of us getting in some top 10 lists. You know, it's an interesting way to look at video games, not just today, because we tend to review current games, right? Most of the time when we're, when we're sitting here chattering, um, it's about a recent release or something that we've just picked up for the PS4 or whatever. Uh, but it, I, I really enjoyed like going back and looking at the top 10 games that made us gamers. And I think that there is a case to be made for many, many top 10 lists in the future. Um, I think there has to be a caveat that we need to spend no less than one minute on each game as opposed to... 35 but uh yeah i think i think it could be an appropriate format what do you think i think it makes a ton of sense and yeah we started with games that you feel the most strongly about and didn't anticipate that we talked for 90 unbroken hours games that you could wax poetically about like grandpa talking about the trenches um i I was waxed poetically once and it, it burned for a long time right on the perineum oh dude frig man yeah <laughs> Jesus. Go, go ahead and segue into your review, Andy. I'll wait. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let me uh, go ahead and talk about something that doesn't revolting. Uh, and I'm going to have a hard time doing that with Bayonetta 2. Um, so, listen, I played Bayonetta 2. I picked it up for the Switch just before I went on, uh, went on my trip to Vegas. And I was very excited to get down on this game. Originally, Bayonetta 2 was released in 2014. And it's had massively positive reviews just about anywhere I, I cared to turn over a stone. Folks on Reddit love it. The people on Kotaku are, are big into it. They talk about how it was you know, an underappreciated gem of the Wii U era, right? And uh, it's often compared to uh, Devil May Cry, which is a series that I genuinely loved back in the early 2000s. Um, I don't know. Did you, play, did you play Devil May Cry, Dan? Yeah, man, I, I dabbled in a in, in a couple of uh, of those games, and by like number three or four, I figured at some point this this devil fellow is gonna weep openly. Uh, I don't know really what you mean by that. I really only played the first one. So, well, uh, if the, was the it, whole was it series angsty? called Devil May Cry, and I'm like, he might. You're by making number a pun. three or four. I'm like, he might do it this time. You're making a funny. I did. 
Yeah, I see. Got you. Um, yeah, I mean, Devil May Cry, from what I recall of it, again, it was, a, it was a while back that I played it, but Dante was a fun character to assume the role of. And listen, it's not hard to draw the parallels between Bayonetta and Dante. Both of them are extremely agile, very stylish individuals, right? You've got over-the-top combat um, with, uh, you know, uh, hordes, foreseeably hordes of enemies. Uh, Devil May Cry had a dark, brooding, vampire-esque um, kind of gothic motif, which admittedly I really dug back in the early 2000s. Um, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot about Bayonetta that I really enjoyed. It, uh, it kind of fell flat for me. So the game in and of itself, and by the way, Dan, are you, are you planning on picking up a, a Switch anytime soon or is that, is that ship sailed? <clears throat> no, I, I definitely am. I'm going to pick up a switch and and uh, and work through a backlog of what looks like amazing games. So yeah, I will be I will be swapping to a switch. So here's here's what's going to happen. Um, Bayonetta two uh, for all those listening comes with a code for the original Bayonetta. So it's a download code. You just you plug it into the, I guess the Nintendo eShop and it'll give you a copy of the first Bayonetta for free. Cool, good value. I haven't redeemed it yet. I have no plans to do so, so I will hold on that code for you, Dan. And I want to hear your opinion. Yeah, I want to hear your opinion of the first game because apparently it's it's relatively similar to the second. But the story, the kitschy story of Bayonetta and the vibe of her character that most of the internet is fond of waxing poetic about. I mean, listen, it sounds cool. She's this kind of badass bitch whose hair turns into her outfit Right. So like functionally, she's jump, jumping around like Trinity from the Matrix. Um, and, you know, she's got gun high heels, wings made of hair that make her naked when she employs them. like it's it's genuinely over the top. And I can see I can understand how some people would be or how the majority of people would be really fond of that. Unfortunately, the dialogue in this game is so cringy that like at, at some point I just had to start skipping cutscenes. And maybe that's me. Maybe I'm overly sensitive to that kind of thing. But the story opens up and you're kind of walking around and talking to some third rate whatever mobster guy. He's like your little your little sidekick for the beginning. And it just boy, not only was it cringy, but the story was really tough to follow. What it boils down to is you're pursuing Bayonetta's friend. I don't know. She's a, another, almost like a, I don't even know what to call them. She's like an, like an angel kind of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She's like a, they, they are the Valar of this universe. Yeah, they are. She's, she's the Gandalf of the yeah. Bayonetta universe. Exactly. And so she, she kind of straddles this, this world between heaven and hell and acts as its arbiter, I guess. Um, but you know the the whole the the cheesy hang line for it is that uh, her and her friend are getting ready for a party that evening, picking up some caviar, and she gets she gets dragged into the into the whatever ninth layer of hell. So now you're pursuing uh, now you're pursuing your friend down into hell, and you know while the game is somewhat open ended, right? Gen generally, what it is is a never ending string of technical fights. And what makes it what makes me not love it on first blush is that all of the enemies are super over designed. So you can imagine a gameplay loop that's like, how can I describe it? Um, you get a little bit of free roam, so you're free roaming around this quasi Mediterranean place, 
right? It's it's interesting level design, but it's mostly mechanical. There's not a lot of flavor in it. You're not spending any time in any specific area. You're, you're largely just running through it to the next fight, right? So you've got a little bit of free roam, and then you hit like a very long, nebulous cutscene, and then you battle with more similar enemies to what you battled the last time, and you do that like five or six times, and then there's a boss fight, and that's kind of the, the, the loop of the whole game. Actually, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like... Reminds me of like a PS2 era brawler. Did, did you ever play the bouncer? No, no. And actually, I think I have that on my shelf and I've never played it. Yeah, I mean, so from my understanding, Bayonetta 2 is like a 14-hour game. I did not beat it. I got about six hours in and just, just kind of lost steam. Um, but the bouncer was one that I did beat and, you know, really it's it's story beats interspersed with, with combat. You're not spending a lot of time in any specific environment. You're just moving forward to the next technical combat. Generally, there's like some interesting combat mechanics to deal with, uh, and that's what keeps the the game afloat. Unfortunately, the story component of this whole thing just just completely fell flat for me, and the aesthetic of it just wasn't very good. Like the enemies are so. Can we agree, Dan? Enemy design is probably, especially in a fighting game, probably one of the um, most important parts of a game's coolness factor. Do you know what I mean? Top ten, top ten for sure. I mean, I think of like Final Fantasy, right? You know, Final Fantasy has a habit of over-designing its enemies. I spent a lot of time in Final Fantasy XIV, and some of those bosses are, uh, I can't remember the name of the, whatever, the the enemy nation. Their whole aesthetic is like over-designed, filigreed, extremely unconventional armor, right? There's some There's some detail work going in there. Right, yeah, you're, you're just you're looking at this thing, and it's it's challenging to even make out what you're looking at. But Final Fantasy has the innate ability to create extremely iconic enemies. Like that's that's one of the things that you know has people who are Final Fantasy fans wearing cactuar patches on their jackets because they're just they they create iconic things to hate, right? Yeah. And this game, I, I shit you not, almost every enemy I looked at was just a mass of confusion. It was. You know, just just an indecipherable um, mess of gold, ornate, twisting, quasi mechanical uh, crap, and, yeah. and I, I say that unapologetically because I mean I just hated it. Um, you know, the combat's good, so that's obviously a big part of the game. You know, it it it's, it hinges on getting into a rhythm. Right, so it's a very rhythmic kind of game to the point where it's almost like playing like a music game. It's almost like playing Guitar Hero. You get into this rhythm of of dodging and rolling and and attacking around enemies to the point where you know the 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 way to beat an enemy is so specific that you'll you'll die almost immediately one or two times until you you understand the pattern, and then it it almost swings to the other side of the pendulum and becomes trivially easy. Because once you've got the rhythm of when to dodge and when to attack, there's very few other variables that come into play to make to make it more interesting. But you know, I'm sure there, there's there's some fights that are notable exceptions to that. In general, though, I was kind of bored with the combat, despite the fact that technically it was really good. And yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what Bayonetta was to me. I got bored of it. You know, I, I can see what's likable about it. It's way over the top. Um, it's it's got. Definitely some cool ideas on paper. They sound neat. Listen, I was sold by high heel guns. You know, I'm a simple man. High heels that are also guns sounds pretty cool to me. But I don't know. The whole game kind of felt like a lot of button mashing, felt 
felt almost like one big quick time event. And I might have enjoyed it if I cared for the characters, but I don't. They felt whatever, blasé and, and not particularly well written. I might have enjoyed it more if I cared for the story. It was indecipherable and hard to follow. I may have enjoyed it if I enjoyed the aesthetic, but the aesthetic to me was was just kind of like confused. So um, I would go ahead and, and give it a big pass. That's that's my unfortunate diagnosis of Bayonetta 2. There's, there's like, like you said, all these great potential elements here that could could make for a good game. And, and you know what? For some people, it clearly is. I mean, uh, Metacritic has a lot like of six or seven has like one uh, hundreds from from, yeah. from from critical reviews. So you know, it really works for someone. And what it seems to me, and I've watched some videos, it seems kind of, uh, especially in the, the the story parts, just like jarring. Like, mm-hmm. I I love the vibe of like the sexual empowerment of women. But then it seems to go into like a deep exploitive zone, which is sort of jarring. And then the really bad voice acting, I would also feel like some some whiplash from. So, you know, a great yeah, game. Innuendo, about- specifically really bad innuendo. And I'm not saying that from, again, from my high horse, like whatever. I'm down with some, I have a very, you know, high tolerance for, for idiocy in video games, even if generally speaking, it would be perceived as, as you know, being off off point but it, it just all of the shit they were saying just felt dumb you know it wasn't edgy it was dumb yeah and you know what for some people i this probably hit their button perfectly it was like because i can see how you could laugh at it and we'll see once i i step up how it how it lands for me but i think on this one I, i'm probably in a close agreement with you and you know you've never been one to pick up a highly technical fighter and play it all the way through so i'd say there's probably not enough of a satisfaction to get through that stuff it's like you you know you wouldn't be beating ninja gadian black as a ninja guy then so this this game doesn't stand a chance i don't think for you yeah i mean listen the gameplay loop i can get man like i can get behind the highly technical combat game and especially because bayonetta has some some great customization right like it is an action rpg at the end of the day despite the fact it's actually it's an action rpg without any of this without any of the autonomy and and what i perceived to be adequate exploration and and story beats in between so you know i wouldn't say it's so far off of what i like to play right but um you know the customizations there you can customize your weapons you can mix and match your loadouts you can change up your combos and your finish like there's lots of stuff there to unpack just generally the way that everything felt that I, as i was playing it it just again it felt mashy felt like like uh, I don't want to I don't want to rag on the combat because the combat has some nuance to it, but it wasn't satisfying ultimately. So Andy, let me ask you: four twenty friendly? Oh no, no, I'd say no. The game, I mean, the game's hard to follow. Like the story of it is hard to follow, and a lot of it is cutscenes. You're watching a shitload of cutscenes. So if you are having a hard time getting into the narrative without a smoke, I can. Unless you can somehow find the humor in it <laughs> with a little bit of cannabis, I don't think I don't think it's worth trying to follow. Uh, and then the combat can be frustrating, um, and the visuals are kind of confusing. So I, I wouldn't want to play it after smoking. Um, it's an accessible game, beginner friendly, I'd say, right? Uh, but it's also pretty polarizing. So you know, you jump in, you'll know pretty quickly if it's something you like. It's a very uh, how can I put it? The flavor of the game is very distinct. Right when you get in, you'll know exactly what it is, and if it's rubbing you the right way, God bless. Uh, for me, it did not. 
little innuendo at the end there. I love it. In your endo. So, uh, Andy, we shall see. We shall see if, if I can if I can stomach it. You get a little kinky on this podcast goat. here, Dan. It was that, that was that sexual awakening you had when that goat lay its uh, lay its teats across your nose. Hard pass. Safety word. Pineapples. Sounds like a Let's hard stop. pass. Let's stop this. That's enough. End the podcast. Burn it to the ground. Burn it all down. <laughs> I hear you played a video game, Dan. There it is. <laughs> Let's try it again. Go ahead. I hear you played a video game, Daniel. I did. I did. I I had the pleasure of crash landing on a distant planet, a planetoid, maybe Rigel 6, uh, playing an excellent title from Ludian Studios called RimWorld. Have you heard of RimWorld, Andy? You know what? RimWorld is a game that I've wanted to play for a long time. Yes, I've heard of it. Yes, it gets me excited. So this is a Steam game, still in early access. It dropped on us uh, out of the stratosphere on J- uh, July 2016 and available for the Linux, Mac, and Microsoft Windows operating Th- systems. Sorry, things are available for Linux? Yeah, buddy. People like release things and say, hey, pick it up for Linux. Twice as often as the Mac. I feel like... Okay, take it easy. I feel like Linux is like the platform that you don't have to advertise because everybody who's on Linux immediately knows if a game is Linux enabled. I feel like you don't even have to say it, you know? Yeah, it's on the news group that they follow. Yeah, it's in the it's in the MIRC channel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Andy, this game is a sci-fi colony sim driven by an intelligent AI storyteller. Kind of think of uh, Dwarf Fortress uh, meets yep. Firefly, and it generates stories by uh, simulating psychology, ecology, gunplay, melee combat, climate, biomes, diplomacy, interpersonal relationships, art, oh. medicine, trade, and more. Oh, I'm quivering with anticipation. That oh, <laughs> sounds amazing. Tell. So, you know, if I can put you uh, into the driver's seat, th- this is a game where you, f- you find yourself... Uh, in control of a crashing, this is how I picture it, crashing space shuttle. And on this space shuttle, there are colonists. And there are eight colonists on this space shuttle, and you get to to save three of them. Oh. And as you pick who the survivors are going to be, uh, choose wisely, because you're going to have to whip these band of diverse miscreants and uh, lonely psychopaths and, and uh, frail scientists into a team that can survive um, the uh, harsh environment that you're about to land on. And they're all so, randomly generated, right? Like Death Road yeah, to Canada style? You got it. And and the amount of sort of little uh, traits and qualities, um, they're pretty expansive. Um, so to give you an idea, you know, I ended up in my first one. I have a, a botanist who tends to be a little bit skittish and tend to stressful breaks. You know, a sharpshooter and a doctor ended up to be my first ones. And I picked the most stable people I could. Right. Uh, but it turned out um, my uh, my horticulturist, let's call her Mrs. Green, when she got stressed out, she just tended to start starting fires. She would just set fires if she got too stressed <laughs> out. You know, so, so you That's know, incredible. This, 
this game has got uh, got a, a lot of variability in, in the story. So you know your first your first matter of uh, a matter of business is building shelter and you know uh, getting some beds put together and maybe put planting some 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 gardens to keep yourself self alive. But this game is ready to throw you know any and all things at you. You know it's going to throw all kinds of events. And so picture the storyteller and you pick it at the beginning of the game when you're you're doing the sort of setup. You can either um, choose um, the very chill, sort of sedate storyteller who's kind of going to draw a series of events that kind of make sense. And then there's, uh, she's known as a Phoebe Chillax. <laughs> you okay. can go Cassandra Classic, which is she's got a rising tension. Things are going to get worse and worse, but you're going to be getting more and more prepared, you know, building up defenses and, and researching. And then you got Randy Random. And he's going to do some crazy stuff that he's either is going to help you like a, a pod is going to crash land and uh, have all kinds of assets and goods on it. Maybe a surviving colonist that you can add to your fray or three or four tornadoes in a row. Right. <laughs> it's going to rip through and uh, with with no warning. So kind of it varies uh, wildly based on that. So, you know, you're you're charged with uh, the task of. You know, planting crops and hunting and taming animals, researching new new techs, growing pot. No, oh, it's uh, amazing. <laughs> they call yeah. it smoke leaf, but come on, we know what you're come up to. Come on now. Uh, making beer, uh, trading with travelers, going on e- expeditions. Sorry, I what kind of I was in- what kind of travelers are there on this harsh alien landscape? Uh, you can find space like they'll roll through spacers, uh, neighboring tribes, pirates. Um, I knew this game was huge when, you know, I'm just struggling to survive. I got a couple things planted. My base is sort of basic and set up. Maybe I've recruited a couple guys. And I, I right-click on one of my character's names for the first time. And I was like, oh, I wonder what this does. Because I'm diving into the game and finding all its, out its, all its little secrets. And it opens up the world map. Oh. And I'm, I'm a little colony on this giant world map that's covered with other, you know, uh, bases and, and, and tribes. And I'm like... Oh, I could explore this world if I wanted to. That's you can so cool. Off, right? And that's, suddenly that's, I feel... That's so cool. I, you know, I tell you what, that like sense of expansiveness, like the Dwarf Fortress, randomly generated, you know, give me a kitchen, kitchen sink game is basically what this is. They throw everything in there. They throw all of the personality traits and all of the opposing forces and all of the, the tech and the AI and everything that you could possibly need to have a, just an utter clusterfuck of a game. And then they let you live in it. And to me, that is Nirvana. You got it, man. And so, like, I've suddenly felt so threatened by this extraneous world. The first thing I did, Andy, what do you think I did? Uh, started building weapons, man, like any normal human. I dug into the side of a mountain and I used the three walls of the mountain as my defenses and built out a nice little funnel, a nice little kill box for anyone who came visiting that wanted to come see what was going on. They would walk through a field of uh, tactically placed rubble uh, leading up to a bunker surrounded by sandbags and improvised turrets. You went all all Thor and Oakenshield on that shit. Yes, that's correct. The kill box. And um, and so what I began was this process of um, planting, researching, and then when uh, the local tribes would try to attack after they heard about the sweet gear that I had, um, they would get shot to death. Wow. Uh, first by, um, see, uh, to make the game easy on myself, I named everything what they were good at. So um, there was Mrs. Green, uh, 
Doc Revolver and Construction Jones. So right. imagine what all they do. <laughs> sure. So Doc, hard. Doc, sorry, not hard to, to 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 pin them up, right? Yeah, exactly. So Doc Revolver would be sitting at the bottom of this kill trench, just waiting for these tribesmen to run through, and he'd doodly shoot them all. And the ones that um, were downed but had survived, I would capture them and hold them and nurse them back to life, and then convince them to join my cause. Nice. Little little conversion. That's incredible. That's right. and, and there's some elements to this, this conversion, Andy. You know, maybe I make their room really nice, right? They, I, there's, a, there's a side table. There's a comfy bed. There's a light. There's some, a potted plant. They're being fed. Not, not just simple meals, but fine meals. It's warm in there. And over time, they go from, you know, very resistant to not so resistant and suddenly they're joining my team and I, I got this cadre of, of, uh, of colonists. Now, a dark day did arrive, Andy, because oh. this game doesn't tell you a lot about how it works. And I've been watching some YouTube videos and, and trying to figure out how all the stuff goes, goes down. But I found out that my doctor could do medical procedures on any of the colonists, including the prisoners. Oh, my. And you know those, those really tough nuts to crack? Those oh, really, no, really, Dan. They're really not happy. They're really not coming over. They've had a you know a couple weeks. They've been eating my food, Andy. They're eating my food. Oh shit! Too Dad. too good for the team. Turns out that <laughs> with one of these prisoners, you can extract a kidney, a lung, and then finally a heart. And the good news is those things go for a lot of money on the oh, open Oh, damn. Market. This is such dark shit right now that we're dealing with here. You're like suddenly you've gone from like uh, exciting sandbox to human trafficking simulator. <laughs> this it's is like, buddy, bad. Straight it, bad. You know, you, you know we talked talk about the story writes itself? Like all these colonists land and we have all our ideals intact. And then, you know, after enough bad stuff happens, a, a lightning strike blows up the generator and uh, plague wipes through and, and wipes up all the crops and things are looking bad. Um, you know, maybe Mrs. Green just set her 50th fire for the month. And, uh, and when, uh, when Doc Revolver went to put it out, he actually burned his arm and it dropped his shooting skill. You know, things are starting to look dark. We right. gotta get him a bionic arm, you know, and, and our ideals are put to the test. Um, now, <laughs> as the as as fast the forward psycho- like fifty years, and it's the setting of Mad Max. <laughs> oh man, just, it's oh man, it, it's exactly that. And it, this is one of the seats you said. You, you know, basically, you get seated in the. Uh, people like to think of them like it as God. You know, the the black and white uh, by Lion Studios. But here's what I like to think about it. I am the AI that survived the crash landing, and maybe it's a little bit damaged, but it still works. And it it and it it's massaging the situation so as we're digging out the side of the mountain my call i like that you feel better about your actions by dehumanizing yourself that's that's a great move it's It's better than that because hear this hear this this is a social experiment and it's 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 so it's and it's funny how how easily like at first you're like you know i'm i i'm really gonna take care of these guys and i do i love them but i also know we got somewhere to go we got a cause there's a, a goal so I remember how I said we were d- digging into the side of the mountain. Well, none of my guys really liked mining. You know, it's dark, it's hard work, but I knew we had a job to do. So I put them all to, to task um, digging into the side of this mountain and the little notifications no, uh, notifications come up. Psychological break imminent, minor break, major break. And I picture it like, they're they're like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go do something else. And like the AI voice chimes over the speakers like, 
Mining is a requirement. I'm sorry, Dave, Doc Revolver. Mining is a chief priority. Please return to mining sector A and the door <laughs> of the clocks. Oh, man, dude. <laughs> you know it's quite you know, the thing. Well, I mean, you know, the only, the only, the only fitting panacea to this whole terrible situation is slavery. It's the obvious, it's the obvious answer. Well, you know, it, it's not real slavery. It's a commune. So, you know, Doc Revolver falls to his knees and has a nervous breakdown, and then a door slides open to the stock room. It says, "Doc Revolver, please go imbibe one smoke leaf joint." And then return to work. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> this, you know, I like this. This so I mean I'm I'm sure that there are about a thousand other stories of how crazy this game gets. And you know what? They're not unlike the stories that I've heard recounted about this game, which has me so interested in it because it seems to me that you know you have more than just a sandbox a la Minecraft, right? You have more than a procedurally generated world. You have more than tools and and crafting and assets to play with. You have genuine personalities at play that create re- real scenarios in which you have to do lesser of two evil decision making. And uh, yeah, to me, that's that's fascinating um, to go through the exercise of doing that because God forbid that you're ever in the position of actually having to go through that that thought process. Um, it is it is an insightful way to look at how you might act. Um, you know what? Maybe maybe it's possible. Uh, you know, and the the turns that the game takes you, maybe some of them are so pleasant. You know, suddenly um, my colonists that spent time together. In doing different activities they started to fall in love and get married and they start demanding to sleep together so i make them a new bedroom you know and, and with a double bed and now they're sleeping together and you know a couple of the tribesmen that i recruited a uh, doc revolver had shot them all in the face so none of them like doc revolver like some of them were missing eyes or you know had permanent scars that that caused them pain so anytime they saw doc revolver uh, you would see a big drop in their their social status, and I would check it out, and they would say insulted by Doc Revolver. That's so amazing. Doc Revolver would roll through and sneer at them, you know. That's so amazing. These, these narratives like uh, start to come out, and they're kind of joyful. So, it, you know, fast forward into my colony, which is now sixteen members strong, uh, and uh, you know, th- good things are happening. the The turning point was. A ship crash landed, and it told me that horrible whispers were haunting the minds of my colonists. I needed to destroy it. So I rolled Doc Revolver out there with his newly crafted sniper rifle, and I said, Doc, take care of it. The problem is, when the first bullet ricocheted off the hull, four or five synthetic organisms, robots, rolled out of there and hit him with the kind of rail gun and machine gun fire that no man could survive. <laughs> oh no, Doc. Doc went down. Doc Revolver's duster and was perforated and his cowboy hat rolled onto the ground. And Doc Revolver fired his last shot. Oh man, what a sad story. Now let me ask, are those uh, are those maniacal uh, murder robots still at large or you're just coexisting happily beside their crash site? They, they rolled into the kill box like so many others. <laughs> oh, the kill box, of course. Uh, and they and they they got taken down. And there's you know there's neat little nuances of this game. Uh, I found out that these robots, these synthetic organisms, when I down them, when they're incapacitated, rather than shoot them to death, I send a technician out to pull their bodies apart, and they go down quicker, and I get some resources. Um, 
you know, I've also built a nice that colony. That is so cool. Like it's, it's, it's so so. That's cool. like I mean, it, foreseeably, there's there's lots more of that kind of stuff where you can interact with randomly generated units on a on a individual basis like that. That's really interesting. The game's got a lot to it still, and you know, there's little nuances. So I've got a healthy uh, livestock. I got something like fifty boars and like uh, forty cows. Okay. And, you know, so I made a barn and they're all eating. And so I use, I slaughter them from time to time. I've also trained them to do work for me. Um, it's a whole little subset of the game. And what I found out is rather than just you can like click on them and hit slaughter and somebody who's set up for cooking will go butcher them. But there's a better way, Andy. You can go to their, their, their same area that used to decompile these synthetic um, creatures and you can select them to be euthanized by a doctor. So the, one of my doctors picks up my, my deer boar friends, carries them to a medical table, lays them down, and, and sends them uh, to the other side. And he gets such a huge boost to his medical skill be, like in terms of experience because he's basically practicing surgery on a pig. And I'm like, oh, this is how I'm doing it from now on. This is the new hotness. Wow, that's it's your new your new abattoir. <laughs> Is the so, the angel of death euthanizing pigs on mass and, uh, yeah, and, and and training himself in the art of medicine in that way? Wow, the story so right, the so book often, writes itself. Every so often, you know, I slip in a a a, a resistant uh, prisoner in there, and the doctor barely notices. It just they pretend oh, it's a board. Oh, like, so right. fuck, man, so dark, it's just so, so dark. bad, so uh, dark. It's, it's really rough, right? Remind me um, never. Remind me never to get caught up in a dystopian future with you. I don't yes. want to be. I don't want to be around AI Dan. Sounds like <laughs> a real Dan. prick. It's but not you know me, what? Andy. I'm the AI. Yeah. Just fuck make that. sure that I don't end up like a brain in a tank, and you'll be fine. So I got to tell you a little bit about definitely my, your most dangerous form. Yeah, exactly. My final form. My favorite and least favorite colonist. His okay. name is Metal. Metal. metal metal you you named him because of, no sir no. he came pre-named i, I eventually I I gave up naming them your skills because the flavor socked soaked through and i was so hurt by the loss of doc revolver um so metal his backstory is he was a medieval slave and as an adult was a psychiatric patient his his traits are he's incapable of violence caring and any social interaction he is neurotic, psychically sensitive, and he's a great wait for it, prost prostophile, which means he's in to bionic replacements. Oh now Okay. Now Just, on the wow. face of it, you'd say, Dan, why did you save metal from that crash landed orbiter that he arrived on? Why not leave him to into the waste? Well, he has two things that I really, really needed more of, which is people that are excellent at growing and construction. So I, I nursed him back to health. And let me tell you a little bit about Metal's deal. Uh, he works without talking to anybody, uh, if refuses to uh, participate in any of the defense of the uh, base. And every six days, he goes into a, an absolute breakdown, smokes as much smoke leaf as he can, and then passes out and needs medical attention. <laughs> but holy shit, can that guy grow corn? Wow. So he's, he's in the team. This is incredible. This game. So okay. So here's what. I, here's my. Here's my assessment of this game, having not played it. 
it is the game I want if I'm ever lost at sea on a desert island. It sounds like infinitely replayable. Uh, it's just rocketed to the very top of my list. I genuinely hope that someday this comes to portable handheld, a.k.a. Switch, uh, but likely not, and I will pick it up on Steam for that reason. Um, it, it sounds awesome. Yeah, buddy. So f- just the final thing. The, you don't. You can tell your guys what to do, but basically the way you want to do it is you arrange their priorities and they have a list of every skill from left to right. And it'll go from left to right and do everything from left to right in terms of numbers. So anything you put a number one in the box, it'll do those first. And then the twos and the threes and the fours and the fives. So if you do it right, basically the base runs itself until right. something gets jacked up. Now there's a little bit of massaging and you know you're playing the the Sim City thing building barracks and that's part of the fun. If you like designing barracks it, it's it's a ton of fun. I I kind of throw it together in a a very utilitarian way but you can make it very pretty. Um you know, but the game will run itself largely and it's so dangerous because time starts to bend. You can you can turn the time up faster and it starts to bend in real life. So I got the game on times three, it's rolling along, I'm doing its thing. And my sweet, sweet lady is like, hey, are, are we gonna eat dinner? And I'm like, we just had breakfast. She's like, the sun is down and you have not looked up for, for like 10 hours. Wow. Icy, icy. <laughs> so 420 friendly, uh, yes. Uh, oh yeah, for sounds sure. Like, sounds like an excellent smoking game beginner friendly negatory the game does not tell you how to do a lot and i gotta be honest my first 10 or 20 crews um like savages showed up immediately i got killed everybody but two of them they were so sad that their cat had died that one ate the cat and then the other killed the other guy and i'm like oh this game's pretty great (laughs) you know there were some dark ends because you're managing people and survival and whatnot but uh do yourself a favor watch the introduction um uh, tutorial uh by a youtuber called gray still plays he's got 20 modules a little shout out to gray um uh, that really break it down in a pretty quick way i think he has a british accent which is right up my alley um and he'll get oh. you on the right path well there you go mm. um 420 friendly i wanted to ask like is, so is how's the pacing of the game is it like does the stuff go to shit really quick or do you have some time to react <sighs> Well, let me give you a, let me give you a, a little bit of a breakdown. Both yes and no. Things happen fast. Things happen slow. Uh, you know, something innocuous like this ship landing. I thought I was all good. I was suddenly destroyed. Um, in fact, I was playing right up to the point where we hit record on the podcast. And the thing that happened just before I hit pause is there's a little notification that says zert. And in my construction room, my machining bench exploded setting the entire room on fire which has all my goods in it and all the other workbenches which while sturdy also are going to explode as well so it'll be really interesting to see uh who's been maimed um basically my most valuable colonists the crafters are in there so uh you know dank dan's base 72 might be in real real trouble it might be and we might have to get nukes from orbit and start over that's amazing that's i mean you know and and that's that's kind of the joy of those games is starting over after calamity happens because there's no end game there's no winning no winning that thing well i I may have not mentioned it 
the, the, the drive of the game is to build a ship to return to whatever world you're either going to or came from. So that's the ultimate goal. And I think I'm about two thirds of the way there. So we'll okay. see. Interesting. Uh, Danny, what do you think about uh, transitioning over to our little smoke sash? Let's blow it up, buddy. I'd love to blow it up just like your crafting room. It hurts. It hurts what you've said. A little bit of a, a little bit of a bummer on that one. Here we go. <laughs> Herbister, herbulator, herbaceous, herbolister. Are you ready to roll? You ready to roll up? You ready to roll down the window and smoke a dupe? Yes, please. Yes, all I of those like things. To, I would like I would like to go to there. Welcome to the good weed, home of the good weed. Can I take your order, please? Oh man, Good Burger was such a classic movie, you know? Oh, uh, like a classic dumpster fire, sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, most of the good ones were dumpster fires. Let me tell you about something before we jump into the smoke sesh here. Have you uh, have you had the pleasure of using any of the Apple AirPod products yet? Like uh, the old ear earphones with no cords? So straight up, not endorsed by Apple. <laughs> we wish. <laughs> Can you imagine? Our first, uh, our first sponsorship deal is with Apple. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, yeah, you guys see a lot of potential here. <laughs> but um, it, it's, it's fascinating because... These had these had full disclosure. These AirPods in my ears right now are two hundred dollars. <laughs> these are two hundred dollar two hundred dollar headphones. Ugh. I know it's absolutely. Andy, psychotic. how much how much did you donate to charity last year? Uh, yeah, I know, real brutal. But let me tell you, they've improved my quality of life so significantly because I have. I have headphones in my ears all day long and the ability to be hands-free without having wires wrapping around me, constantly getting pulled out of phones, catching on my blazer, like all of that not happening has, has really made me appreciate life to a new level. So uh, let me recommend to you, buy some outrageously impri- or, uh, priced AirPods and, and, and save yourself some trouble. You know, I was right about to hate on them because... Uh, the idea of me having like a more losable set of headphones felt like a terrible thing. But you've touched on something that's so true. Like there there are few rages as intense as the rage that wells up from one's stomach when you're passing through, say, a doorway and your headphones catch on the door handle oh. and simultaneously jerk on both of the inner ear canals of your oh. head and your pocket like do you know that anger like it, it hits some sort of like cro magnum rage it's like hey whatever just do did that kill it make kill sure it, it dies no, burn it with fire no 100 percent. it's my biggest pet peeve and like it was my reality three to four times a day it was so causing so first world problems but causing so much angst in me that this 200 dollars pair of headphones has improved my quality of life so so thoroughly uh, yeah, I'm just I'm nothing but grateful. And here's the thing: you're not losing a pair of $200 headphones. Just putting that out there, you're not losing them. It's not happening. Uh, I, you know, it's like in my head, I pictured myself strolling gallantly into the the Apple Store, 
putting 200 of my hard-earned dollars on the table, my sweet, sweet lady is already criticizing me, you know, in the meat space of my mind. And I, I picked them up and I put them in the, the, my ears and I'm striding gallantly out of the place and uh, a gust of wind blows one directly out of my ear, directly down a sewer grate into oblivion. And then all that's left is the deep sadness. This deep sadness. I got you. I got you. You get home. She's like, oh, $200 headphones. I mean, listen, that's good quality of life. You know what else $200 could have helped buy us? A mortgage for the house that we're going to make a home. <laughs> oh, you, you self, you know, exactly. My, right my question the, is, mm. couldn't, couldn't they have been, don't you feel like they got, I, you know, and just Apple, if you were a sponsor, I wouldn't be saying this right now. Just food for thought. Um, don't you feel like they could have been $100? Don't you feel like that? Like, guys, do you have to make a hundred trillion dollars this year? Wouldn't right. fifty trillion just be okay? That's all right, yeah, exactly. And listen, if we've learned anything from this, it's that if you want to be a purple dungeon sponsor, you can go ahead and throw some money at us, and we'll we'll wash away all the sins. Oh man, I will sing your praises. Two hundred? Couldn't you have made it three hundred? Couldn't now, it have been a five hundred dollar headphone? And this is it's now, glorious. Andy, these these AirPods are made out of seal bones. But don't you deserve a little steel bone quality in your life? Oh, my goodness. Uh, skipping right past that. Danny, I've got a little innovation here, a little smoking innovation that I'm excited to grind up some of my uh, my weed in. Um, what are you smoking on today first before we, before we get there? I got a delightful first time outing with a fella here known as CBD Kush. Uh, Tahiti Kush? No, no, no. Sorry. Let me enunciate. Let me get my radio voice on. CBD Kush. Oh, CBD Kush. Yeah. Charlie Bravo David. Charlie Bravo David Kush. I got you. That's cool. Uh, that's from Broken Coast? Yeah. The, the, the fine folks at Broken Coast saw it in their heart to send me another small batch, high-grade um, uh, sampling. And this fellow is actually you know, in their in-house uh, uh, terms uh, called Campanana. Um, okay. But it is it is CBD Kush. I like that. Yeah, I mean a high CBD strain is actually something I've been interested in uh, in picking up for a while. I did a CBD dab a little while ago, so it's like this, I guess, highly concentrated CBD powder, um, and you can kind of toss it into a into a, a dab rig and and just do a little do a little CBD dab, and it was wonderful. Did it at the end of the day, five p.m., just about to head home. Hit a little CBD dab and was instantly refreshed, relaxed. Looking forward to my evening. Very clear-minded. Uh, high CBD stuff really does it does it for me. So that it sounds like you're you're about to enjoy something. I myself have a little black diamond. Um, so black diamond is a mm, beautifully smelling strain that I'll get into in a minute. But I'm actually crushing it up here with a medtainer. Dan, have you heard of medtainer before? Yeah, we've had a little chat about it on the cast. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, I, I didn't know if I'd spoken about it before, but I'm actually kind of impressed with the Medtainer. Now, I was at their, uh, I was at their booth at Lyft a couple weeks ago. One thing that kind of weirded me out was they have a bunch, like they're actually publicly traded, so they have a, they have a stock listed. Uh, I don't know what exchange they trade on, but I mean, it's it's a penny stock. It's nothing massive, but. Being a publicly traded company, you would think that they'd pay attention to things like licensing, but they actually they had some like Pokemon branded medtainers and Deadpool branded medtainers. So <laughs> just probably don't do corporations. Yeah, hey, probably hey. don't medtainer. Love you. Probably don't do that. <laughs> probably how, don't do how that. Litig how litigious are you guys? 
Yeah, I don't know about that. That was that was kind of like, oh, that's not so good. But they um, they actually do a lot of the the med tainers. So med tainer, just for everybody who's not uh, who doesn't know, um, they make a what you could almost call well, it's a one stage grinder and storage thing. So it's like a apparatus. Apparatus. So it's it's about it's a container that's um, cylindrical. It's about I don't know three inches, three and a half inches tall, and uh, the middle part removes to become a grinder. So you toss your weed in there, you grind it all up, then you tap it out of the bottom grinder. Let me see here. How does this work? What kind of grinder are we getting on this guy? Not bad. Yeah, pretty decent grinding on the bottom. And it's plastic too, which is surprising. So the plastic grind that you get out of the medtainer is is actually perfect consistency. Wow. Good job, guys. And um, there we go. And yeah, now you can pop the, the middle portion back into the tube and you've got yourself a handy dandy little storage compartment. So I'm uh, yeah I'm fond of this little this little widget. They've they branded this one for seven acres LP up here in Canada, um, and I probably will hold on to this thing for quite some time. But I've got a big old pile of black diamond here, and I'm getting ready to go uh, go with it. How about yourself, Dan? You wanna you wanna give us your synopsis of your bud first? Yeah, man. Uh, this this is a very visually pleasing bud. Nice little crown here. It, it, I mean, it's what it's what your brain thinks of as weed. It's got those those caramelly brown hairs it's got that nice sort of leafy green um you know it looks pretty standard but at the same time delicious this one is laden with crystal it is glistening as i turn it around the hairs are actually really long too they've kind of been you know left to flourish and whenever i see this this is my amateur um uh, description but it makes me feel like it the the bud was really let to mature um, oh yeah, and not tr- not trimmed too early. And if I get a nose on it, this this particular guy is all about the spice. He's nice. really letting the spice be known. Like this there's spicy like a gentleman. peppery, peppery, spicy. On top of like that standard sort of earthy, woody, you know, weed smell you've come to know and love. Mm. But yeah, it's it's like jalapenos and peppercorns on the top of this guy. Oh, interesting. And, uh, a lot of the strains that come out of Broken Coast have this note, and and it comes through really strong, and it, I find it to be pretty clarifying, if you know what I mean. Like normally the weeds that weeds the strains that hit me like this, they're they're pretty clear in the head, and that might just be some bro science there, but that's that's what I'm picking up. Um, nice out of out of these guys. I like it. Um, <clears throat> cool. You want to go chief down on that while I read about your CBD Kush? Yeah, I think it's the right thing to do. There you go. CBD Kush. Let's get it in off of Leafly. From the collaborative efforts of CBD Crew and Dutch Passion comes CBD Kush, a hybrid strain with equal parts THC and CBD. Bred from Candy Kush in an unnamed high CBD varietal, CBD Kush typically tests around 7% in both THC and CBD, which may benefit consumers with a low tolerance or those treating conditions such as pain, inflammation, or anxiety. Its psychoactive effects are subtle, offering a tame experience that eases the muscles without too much mental cloudiness. Dude, 7% THC and 7% CBD sounds lovely. I wouldn't mind trying that on for size. That sounds very pleasant. So the flavor on this is exactly what we talked about. It's like that little bit of spicy hit with that that gentle weed taste on the other hand. And that's what this is. It's like 
a soft, gentle mistress that's sort of beckoning you into a warm pool of just re- relaxation. There's nothing sharp in here, nothing surprising. Uh, you know, uh, even a, a gentle-lunged individual like myself was able to uh, finish off this bowl with too much trouble. And it's nice. it's um it's rising on me like really softly. It's this is this is the warm blanket of uh, of cushions. It's it's the extremely friendly stranger. Nice. I like that. Son of a broken man says, I have been waiting to try this strain for some time. Wow. Worth the wait. CBD strains really help an old stoner who loves reefer, but not the high THC strains. Back in 79, he loved them. Today, not so much. This is a creeper with a minor head buzz. Felt good from it and recommends older heads. You younglings love that crazy ass 25% THC. I cut mine on about 10%. Overall, a strain anyone would enjoy. And yeah, that tracks well for me. You know what? When I was in um, when I was in Amsterdam, uh, what I noticed is the weed is, is a little bit less potent there. In fact, not a little bit, a lot less potent there, which explains how you can smoke three, four joints in a couple hours and, and generally be just more or less fine, right? Um, and so, you know, there's, there's definitely a place for that in my world because I love smoking joints and blunts. But I often won't do so unless I'm in a group setting because I don't. I just I don't want to be wrecked. You know, I want a little a modest, a modest high like the kind I would get out of a, out of my handpipe, right? So this sounds like this sounds like a must order for me. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're speaking my language. Like we have friends. One of them is my my sweet sweet lady that that are are dank dank chronics that can you know just smash the biggest bongs and ones that make my my tummy turn you know what i mean like they give me anxiety just watching them hit them your poor tummy oh buddy my my tummy gets in some trouble no Uh, words words uh, your tummy my dude but this one this one this one's a gentle friend so uh it's welcome to the party anytime i like it I like it. I like it. So I got a nice big nug of this black diamond here. Um, and I got it. The first thing is this thing is purple as fuck. It is so purple. It's like a deep reddish purple. I've, I've actually not seen a nug this purple in. Well, I don't know if I've ever seen a nug this purple. Can I say purple anymore? Because <laughs> it's really purple. Um, taking a look, the hairs on this guy are, I want to say a deep burnt orange. But in reality, they, they, they look reddish. They're so purple and if i'm cracking this guy open let's see here it's a little dry um and the interior just as purple you know you got it shooting from the from the stem out into the leaf um getting a nose on it is really tough so as i was grinding it i got a lot more of that scent in my nose right now though taking a smell it almost just smells a little smells Faintly, uh, there's a little bit of sweetness there. Um, there's a little bit of woodiness, and there's definitely a spicy note to it too. It almost smells like paprika. I got like a paprika thing going on. Let me actually Ooh. smell. Let me smell some of this ground plant matter though. And that's a low heat rather than a, a sharp heat. Now, that paprika smell. Mm-hmm. You know what? This uh, it's fascinating because. Sniffing in on the on the on the ground plant matter is actually a, a totally different experience. It ends up having a little bit of a diesel-y note almost. Like yeah, it's got it's definitely got some diesel in there. So I did not smell that on the on the complete nug, but now that I'm smelling up the uh, the ground stuff, diesel-y for sure. I got some diesel in there for sure. All right, I'm gonna pack a little bowl here, Daniel. All right, let's give this guy a, a stern talking to. Now well. While you're packing that bowl, perhaps I should read what Leafly has to say about 
black diamond in the very stone tones of Jeremy Irons. Jeremy. Black Diamond is a Northern California strain, ideal for patients who need strong medication but still want to be active and sociable. A cross between Blackberry and Diamond OG, its flowers have a glittery trichome. Oh, too British. Cowering and purple coloring that make it a beautiful gem to look at. The strain's aroma is musky and earthy. Almost like a deep red wine. Oh, you wow. called it, buddy. Yeah. How's I mean, it hitting you? It's, it tastes nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to be honest with you, though. Have you ever been to... <laughs> very specific question. Have you ever been to like an Orthodox church? Yes, I have. Right. So Is, it, ever, is it a Greek Orthodox church? So, yes. It's so typically, oh. though, those guys will... Those guys will burn some sage and like this little thing that they taught. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a, a metal metal um, chamber attached to a chain and they'll burn some sage in there and they'll kind of wave it around and, and scent up the whole place with a decidedly churchy smell. And that's exactly what this tastes like in my mouth. It's pretty wild. Tastes like a Greek Orthodox church. Okay, Jeremy's going to finish. Black Diamond is known to cause fits of giggles and is great strength Uh-oh. for hanging out with friends or catching up on local TV shows at home. This strain tends to make consumers extremely hungry, making it a good choice for those looking to increase their appetite. Just make sure you have some snacks on hand. I have no snacks today, no munchie today, <laughs> and I'm sorry. Did they say local television? Uh, I, heard, I, I just heard you say they, local television. Catching up on some local that, television. Uh, no, did I say? Did Jeremy say local? It just says TV shows at home. <laughs> yeah, I heard local TV shows. Like, we'll have to listen oh. to the tape to see if Jeremy took a little a little editorial on that one. Yeah, there you go. There here's you go. here's the problem about me getting baked first is that halfway through me doing Jeremy Irons, I forget what I'm doing and it turns British, like which he is. He's like from that area, but it like it gets away from me and I have to like find Jeremy. I'm like from Jeremy, that area? where are you? You mean the we're, island we're, of we're the United Kingdom? Thing. Yeah, like he's, whole he's, not he's from, like, from that general area. It's a whole. Well, he's not whole like a country, downtown right? London Brit. I think he's like from Wales or or whatever. And I just don't want to misspeak because Jeremy's going to write me a strongly worded le- letter. He is a, he is a he, listener. He's a listener. Listener of the show, Jeremy Irons. He owns a castle, eh? He in owned, Ireland. I mean, I someday hope to own a castle. I think that you know what? Someday, sometimes you got to sit back and do some goal setting for yourself. And it's challenging sometimes to land upon something that is both realistic as well as impressive. Owning a castle. That's where I'm at right now. So, Andy, let me put it to you. Castle or underwater like uh, base with nuclear sub dock? Right. I'm, so I'm not a Bond villain. I'm going to go with castle. Okay. Okay. All right. Right. Hey, listen. Don't act like. One. Don't. Uh, please. 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 Do not act like there's not a Bond villain in a castle. Uh. Yep. Well, I'm, I appreciate you bringing up your impending nuclear threat. I'm sure that that hasn't uh, created any implications for our cannabis podcast at all. Hmm. What? Intelligence, Dan. They listen to it all. Oh, a little bit of a note for our for our, our friends listening in. Um, uh, we're the good. Next, we're the good guys. <laughs> we're the, we're the friends. Guys. No reason to rate anyone about anything, sir. It seems this Purple Dungeon Squid podcast is hosted in North Korea. <laughs> hey Andy, why is my why is my Alexa blinking? 
Uh, I'm pretty sure it does What's that. What's that, Alexa? It's, it's ready that to skull and crossbones. That's not good. <laughs> That's not a good one. That's not. I a good honestly one. couldn't think of the word NSA for like 30 straight seconds. I'm like, I couldn't think of it. It's like they've given me the mind warp. Uh, formula number 25 they're like nothing you don't remember mm, a thing they, the, the the blinking on Alexa is like the men in black memory eraser <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> speaking of the dystopian future uh, this ooh, this black diamond has um, done pretty much exactly what it said on the tin <coughs> if I wasn't recording a podcast I'd be giggling like a schoolgirl. it's a comforting it's a comforting thing to know I mean, if you've ever wanted to think of me as a schoolgirl, Dan, now's the time. It's upsetting. <laughs> Burn this podcast to the ground before it, before it spreads or breeds. Oh, um, my goodness. Andy, it's like a gremlin. Don't put it in water. I got it. Don't feed it after midnight. Um, I got to applaud the fact that you remembered what we were doing like, and brought us I've back, brought long us back to the, forgotten the matter it. in hand. I've long uh, forgotten it. <laughs> I lo- that deep red wine... Um, sounds great. And I got to be honest, when you said Black Diamond, I figured it would be a cheesy strain because that's a well-known uh, black uh, uh, brand. But it turns out it's more of like a ski slope Black it's not Diamond. A, it's gonna, sorry, it's not a well-known get, black brand. It's a well-known Canadian cheese brand. <laughs> what did I What did I say? Did I say it's Black a well, brand? It's a well-known black brand. I don't, the Black Forget brand the NSA. is like an, Let's, it's like an old-timey pirate ship. Yeah, forget the NSA. Let's look out for the NAACP. <laughs> Dan, Dan, it's not yeah. a well-known black man. Bring it back, friend. Bring land, it back. Land the plane. Land the plane. So, <laughs> so buddy, uh, a, a top review by Dionysian Mystery. This is one of my favorite strains still, and I get it whenever possible. This strain is one of those magical strains that just seems to cure all ailments without any negative side effects. It also feels the best out of any strain, and the high is a real treat. It has an excellent body high similar to that of Blackberry Kush, but it's on a whole other level. It's strong, Mm. but not overwhelming. Almost similar to an opiate high. Okay, thanks, Dionysian. Let's shut that one down. Yep. Uh, which, you know what? Some people, which you can some find are, at my website. Don't, yeah. <laughs> website. It's got a lot of numbers in it. Get ready for it. And uh, Russian malware. You wow. know what? Some people <laughs> some people are trying to substitute that feeling in their body, so that's relevant. You know, we're throwing shade, but if it hits your pain like uh, like something a lot more noxious and addictive, get in there. Right? Absolutely. Actually, I believe it's yeah. the state of Pennsylvania has recently approved uh, the use of medical marijuana for treatment in opioid addiction. Which to me makes a ton of sense. You know, I know some yeah. folks who are actually in the rehabilitation world, and to be fair, the rehabilitation world can be challenging sometimes. You know, you're dealing with a lot of people that have more than just a substance abuse issue, right? And you know, substance abuse can show up as part of it or all of it or some of it. So it's it's a tough spot to live in. Um, but you know, these folks are are convinced of uh, the dangers of marijuana and and don't particularly have a much of a shine for it, especially because uh, such a high percentage of the people they treat also tend to smoke marijuana, I would say also. Um, however, it's it's fascinating to me, and I, I enjoyed sharing with them that Pennsylvania has recognized its ability to help treat opiate addiction. And opiate addiction is a pretty freaking scary thing going on in North America. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a real epidemic. And, so, and it's, it's, it's happening. They, they gave out something like 220 million 
opioid prescriptions in Ohio two years ago in one state. You know, there's that many people in all of the U.S., you know, plus a, a couple million. Um, another promising um, area of, of therapy that's going on is um, uh, a compound called ibogaine. Ibogaine? Um, seems, yeah, it's ibogaine or ibogaine, depending on how you pronounce it. And essentially... Um, you know, it, it's something that is similar to, say, methadone, but without all the really bad and, you know, debilitating side effects um, and seems to uh, interrupt some of the addiction pathways. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to drop a bunch of bro science, uh, Google it, look into it yourself. Um, you know, but the, the fellow that I was listening to about it was talking about the fact that they actually will put people in ibogaine to break um, opioid addiction and actually let them continue smoking marijuana. Um, but what they do is they resensitize them first. Um, which still they'll they'll take them off for about three or four days and change their diet a, a little bit um, and do do some flushing and then they reintroduce it and you know he's talking about having to warn people he's like you under the right conditions you'd be surprised how quickly you can go from somebody who is like an all day every day smoker because they're um, they're self medicating some massive pain and take them back to you know a very novice you know, desensitized, you know, no resistance smoker. And he's like, tread carefully because it's going to affect you again in a way that it probably hasn't in years. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. Give, give it a check. Check it out. It's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's all interesting. And, and you know, opioid addiction um, is it's just a hot topic now. And it's fascinating that where cannabis is at in terms of, um, you know, the United States and individual states starting to recognize its properties and starting to, you know, A-OK it for either recreational or, or medicinal use. It's interesting to see both of those topics rising at the same time and then to find that one has an application for the other. Right. Well, and it's, you, you notice a lot of the times when you have problems, it's something's being held back. So, you know, we have uh, all this go ahead from uh, pharmaceutical companies that have a, a legal bandwidth that any other product wouldn't have. You know, if if <laughs> they sold an orange that made you addicted to those oranges, and if you ate too many of those oranges, they might kill you. Like we'd be like, all right, tell me more about these oranges. Some farmers getting sued. You know what I mean? Um, and the question is, is when does an epidemic get so loud that you're look, willing to look at a the laws you have in place that that are you know getting your political situation funded, um, and look on the other side of things where you have uh, compounds that are prohibited that can solve your problems. You know, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder has you know uh, psilocybin and uh, MDMA that they're now using in theory in uh, in therapy that has something like a seventy percent recovery rate for people with serious PTSD. Um, wow. You know that are untreatable by uh, medications. You know they they're doing they're they're uh, masking the problem with either mood elevators or antipsychotics. But you know if you know anybody really well that that's that's had to have that kind of intervention, it that it changes who they are and I and and you know puts them in this middle place that I would argue that you know isn't where you want to be for your whole life. You you go there if you have to, but you know it, you know if it's something that I would have have to take on, I would want to get in and out, not live my life there mm. you know so let's like let's let's be let's be wise about these conversations and it, it was cool as the tide is turning and i didn't think it ever would so, right um you know that's great yeah man uh boy i just i really surfed along with what you were saying there and um yeah. unfortunately my forward thinking the part of my mind that goes right what am i going to say next just <laughs> went on went on a brief pee break so yeah. <laughs> here we so are andy <laughs> 
let me let me let me bring it back and and just say um, you know we're we're talking a little bit about uh, opioids and and uh, and ways to substitute out of that um, and rather than continue any of those things, I thought should we talk about what's coming out in June? <laughs> Is that too jarring? Back is to video games. I don't know. Yeah, but we were having a How touch. We... we were having a touch by an angel moment, and then uh, and we went and brought it back into Wayne's world. Hey, Andy. Um, do you remember in Super Mario Brothers three when you get de- debilitatingly addicted to crack? Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, that's your segue. You gotta, that's your middle. You that's your middle ground. That red leaf. Right. Get a flute real quick. Get yourself to warp zone number eight, and and uh, call it a day. I, I'm sorry. Hit a flute. Yeah, you know, in Super Mario Brothers three, you got those uh, the teleport flutes, the the warp zone flutes. I I'm not remembering them as flutes. I feel They're like flutes, my dude. I feel like hit a flute is someone's that was, I was trying to make breakout like a, EP. A, hit a flute. Hit a flute. <laughs> I can't I can't that's decide a, right now if it's hip hop or if it's if or if it's mainstream pop. No, that's a fleet. That's the Fleet Foxes secret t- track on their third album. Hit a flute, yeah, and it and it's got Snoop Dogg on the back there because that's what I was going for. Like, how can I make it sound like Huff and a Bone? It comes in, it comes in with a single ukulele, but ends up with Snoop Dogg. Hit a flute, hit that flute, f- nephew. <laughs> two of my dudes hitting a flute. My two of my dudes, the real hizzy wizzy. Two white guys trying to rap podcasting gold. I don't know what a hizzy wizzy is, but I want one. New All right, let's talk top about podcast of the year. Well, we're just honored. We're just honored to be nominated. Number one, I believe, is what they said, Dan. I want to. I want to remain humble because Kendrick Lamar instructed me to. But uh, number one is what I believe they said. Now, am I supposed to uh, humble softly when I, while I'm number one, or you're supposed to sit down and be humble? All right. Um. Mm. Games releasing in June. Let's talk about that. Um, so, Danny, I, you know, we, we missed most of May, and there are some notable releases in the month of May, neither of which were new games. Uh, the two that I'm speaking of are st- the Street Fighter Anniversary Collection and the Mega Man Collection, uh, one of which I've picked up and I will talk about next week. I'm pretty excited about. Um, but June looks to, be, looks to be loaded up with a couple, a couple interesting little, uh, little truffles. Have you heard of Vampire? It's spelled V A M P Y R. Yeah, yeah, man. I've, I've got a little bit of a, a little look see at this, and uh, I gotta say, it's got some promising notes. Have you have you seen it at all? Yeah, so it looks neat. I've already read some of the reviews that are out for it, and, and allegedly, combat's a little clunky. Feels like a bit of a watered down version of The Witcher, but functionally, it's a story heavy kind of action RPG game where you play as a doctor. This is the cool part. The hook is you're a doctor. Um, and you're a vampire, and so you're constantly being put in situations where you have to decide if you're going to heal or feed on your on your patients. And it's not done in a tongue-in-cheek way. It's a very serious, straightforward game. So, uh, yeah, it sounds sounds genuinely interesting from a story perspective, at least. Yeah, it's got like a, a vampire in the masquerade plus the Witcher vibe. Did you and play? Did most, you play that game back in like the the mid two thousands? It was Vampire Blo- Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, I think, for the computer. Yeah, yeah, it's got a great element where you know you're you're doing the same kind of balance, you know, of not letting people uh, uh, see past the masquerade and uh, and hide your vampirism. But a game that does that also includes a class called the Nosferatu, and you're like the like the the rat 
sewer dwelling version of vampires like the kind you saw in blade trinity and they're like okay now try to play the game you're like can't be done <laughs> can't, can't beat it they're like go talk past that bouncer he's like oh you're a fucking vampire starts shooting you in the face yeah you lose uh points for breaking the masquerade well you but know I like, I like a game that does that so what excites me about this one andy is um the teleport mechanic that it, it that it works into its combat that looks kind of cool right um and i and i like that it it Put some of your powers behind a wall that says, you know, if you do this, you're going to use your blood energy and then you'll have to find a way to feed again. And I get the sensation there's like a fair amount of like morally neutral things to feed on, like, you know, sewer rats or whatever. Or accountants. Blood blood, blood packs, accountants. Yep. Financial professionals in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like if I was a vampire... Anyone's got a a Zune. Yeah, like the financial professional would be like the muesli of uh of of vampire feedings you know it's worse than an accountant a chartered accountant <laughs> a char- i feel like a chartered accountant would have all of the right notes you'd get a lot of fiber in there you'd also have a little bit of that raisin sweetness a little pop of, pop of color every few minutes i feel like a chartered accountant's where you want to be if you're a vampire so so i'm gonna bust in here super quick i knew this guy and he's like literally the punchline of a of a um a Seinfeld joke where he's like describing a bland guy and he says Bill Simpson that's what he says and this guy's name is Bill Simpson nice. he'd been an accountant of this company for you know 25 years and his his ex-wife works in his accounting department which sounds like pure nightmare for everybody so anyway I'm talking to her and I was saying something that Bill had said to me and he's this is a real guy so I'm I probably shouldn't be blowing the lid off this whole thing but here we go she says to me Bill she's Simpson like, she says Bill used to be funny and I was like no he's like oh yeah funniest guy in the room and i like look past her into this like glass fishbowl office with the the shades half drawn and he's like looking down at his notepad writing things i'm like that guy used to be funny she's like hilarious (laughs) i'm like all right this this (laughs) is just crushed under a weight of chartered accounting (laughs) oh bill simpson you're there somewhere stay golden pony boy Uh, oh buddy i'm sure listen by this time he's retired he's got bermuda shorts on he's 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 living the jimmy buffett lifestyle there you go all the way down to margaritaville so his character on late 90s seinfeld is played by billy crystal um hmm yeah let's say yes it is stand-up actually not the show seinfeld but still it's cool it would be it'd be played by let's say <laughs> atheist ned flanders right <laughs> there you go i like it ned flanders just a, a little bit further to center got you like the kind of personality that you can only find like in a tiger woods or like uh like i hate to say it a michael jordan like you talk to them and you're like oh you've spent all your brain cells hitting hoops because they're like they're like they're legitimate description is like you know dude you did you just turn you this into win. a did you just turn this into a michael jordan bash session <laughs> oh he's honestly taste. like deep in my heart one of my most favorite people and they're like michael jordan everybody loves you you everybody fucking loves you let's get you on snl everybody loves you one of those guests that's it's a pardon the pun like a slam dunk because everybody loves you you know the america's decided and they they trot michael jordan out there and michael jordan tries his best to be funny and just nothing he's got really? four or five trained professionals around him trying to like just walking him up to being funny writers but the man's brain is about layups and shooting three throws and being the best basketball player on the planet and he's got none of those you notice the like 
the the more challenging a person's life is the funnier they are do you know what i mean like if you're not that smart and like you got a hook nose you're good at making some jokes because like that's what you're gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna socially lubricate every situation with with a gentle blend of yeah. Conan style self-deprecating you can't rely humor. on your pecs you gotta you gotta no. rely on your tongue michael jordan just rolled up with a 360 you know behind the head dunkaroonie and he's like no jokes required <laughs> let's go make space jam there you go that's true put that on a t-shirt um so you're, back, you were talking about a uh, vampire uh i think so i we've gone we've gone far off in the direction of a bologna sandwich um boy this is way too appropriate so also coming out on june 5th which is by my estimation tomorrow so it'll be out by the time this podcast is published shack Days Fu. Of the andy knows them <laughs> A Legend Reborn. So Shaq Fu was an ori- I think a Super Nintendo game that came out to, or maybe a Genesis game that came Sega out to my dude. Sega Genesis. Yeah, came out to uh, to crickets. Not a particularly great game, but then developed as so many do uh, a cult following over the years. Um, and it's being released. It's basically you're playing uh, Shaq, so Mr. Shaquille O'Neal himself as a serial martial artist, and if that's not remarkable enough, saving the world one one goon at a time as Shaq, the DLC is already landing, and you can play as Obama, uh, and uh, the arch enemy ends up being Kanye West. So <laughs> I just oh, okay. what a, we're gonna well, do some right. kung fu, and we're gonna do it thoroughly and with gusto. And so, he's gonna inhale. So Shaq Fu um, on the Sega was like a a, a versus a fighter. And it is a game that had all some very interesting possibilities of being good, but suffered with some Sorry, like just when you say a game fighter, ending. It was a it was yeah, a, like, it's a side scroller, right? It's like a Streets of Rage kind pause, of game. Full pause. Original Shaq Fu is is a versus a fighter game. It's it's like a Street Fighter. Really, I thought it was a I yeah. thought it was a side scroller. No, the new Shaq Fu is a side scroller. Totally flipped up the script because which I love because Shaq Fu had some elements that it could have been good, except um it had like some um you know game enders there there some deal breakers it suffers from huge impa- input lag as a fighter there's like something like 30 frames between some of the moves and most of them like 15 and if you know a lot about frame delay and input lag like it just means if you're going to build the game up with any skill you, you need to have like a minimal amount of frames still varying frames between the moves but not 36 so right. it, it's like it it just suffered from some core failings that made it not be a good game but had a lot of good elements so i love this shake up to be a side scrolling beat em up that invites obama and kanye to the party like sure like sign me up yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, I just it's impressive to me that, you know, that you've got a r- ridiculous title that ends, only ends up being more ridiculous with the addition of Obama and Kanye West. Uh, you know what else is coming out? The Elder Scrolls Online is dropping a new content pack. I think it's a full expansion called the Somerset Isles. And I love mm-hmm. this because for every jackass who goes out and uh, and runs a runs a crusade on the Elder Scrolls Online for air quotes delaying, you know, these the much anticipated sequel to Skyrim, whatever the heck that'll be. Uh, I have to sit back and actually be very impressed by the level of detail that these folks are putting into the Elder Scrolls Online. Like, I've played a shitload of MMORPGs. I've played a ton of them. I'm not in the market for one right now, necessarily, and the fact that this PS4 title, for example, can't 
play on the same server as a, um, a computer or a Mac also is a bit of a deal breaker because I like to play with my wife. But the amount my of... Wife. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> my Eastern European honey. Um, <laughs> the, the, she the plants al- turnip while I fight orc. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Um, but the amount of detail that they put into this game and the the way in which the Elder Scrolls Online actually could be a pretty great Elder Scrolls game. It's not watered down to the level you might expect of an MMO. Uh, makes me really want to dip into it. Somerset's the new expansion. It's a brand new zone in the vein of the last Witcher expansion. You know, kind of like a how, how do you what's that place? Tuscany vibe. Right there's vineyards yeah. to hang out in yeah. and whatever. There's, there's going to be a sprawling palatial manor. Yeah, just it's it's a very light-hearted looking uh, environment. So it's kind of interesting because whenever I think of the, um, pardon me, whenever I think of the Elder Scrolls, it typically feels a little more Spartan, a little more yeah, uh, yeah a little, little darker. But um, yeah. yeah, some other cool stuff. Jewelry craftings coming to it. Uh, there's a secret order of psychics that you can potentially join. Um, there's, of course, uh, a very, well, sorry, not very, but a sprawling epic new story. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of shit. Am I, am I thinking of dipping my toes into the Elder Scrolls Online? Possibly. Yeah, it, let me let me sweeten that pot for you. The the whisperings I've heard and something that has really sort of turned my attention to these titles is other than hey, nice titles, but um, is the fact that it sounds like this can be played in a very single player way that you can ignore a lot of the online elements if that's not what floats your boat and just right. run through some of this story stuff and treat it like the the next um, you know Elder Scrolls title. Um, and I, I agree with this because. Andy, have you noticed, like, very often when a game's successful and it does a couple DLCs, they, like, always feel like they have eight ideas that are, like, middling to great and, like, two real stinkers. And nobody can agree on what the two stinkers are. Like, whether for you it's the card game and for them it's the extra crafting bolt-on, you know. But as long as they don't make me do it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, something that WoW was so smart about, bolting all this stuff on, but very few things did they make you do. So as long as like the stuff that's a little bit more experimental or away from you know what, what maybe I want to do, as long as I don't got to go do it. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. On, I'm on the same page of, uh, on that one because uh, generally my experience of playing any games, but especially online games, is I, I generally tend to not stray from the core content because I want to experience yeah. the best of the game, not necessarily the experimental part of the game unless I'm really dug in. Yeah, especially Lisa, but especially Bart. No, I like the fact that that this you let this be decided by your in-game economy. You know right. what I mean? You give them you give them the the ability to trade and have a currency. And if you don't want to make the cloud rest j- jewelry set, um, you just buy it from somebody who's selling it. Like you're like, and the and the game decides what that's worth. Like, how much hassle is this? Is it right. two thousand gold hassle? Yeah, we've got into a deep conversation about. The impact of MMO economies on uh, on our desire to play them. So, but what so I will Andy, say... I've got into that conversation. You pull the shoot and get us out of here before we hit the ground. Yes, no kidding. Um, it, it feels like that chartered accountant you fed on a little earlier is bubbling up into your brain. Um, let's go Come and on. say... 
this would be a fun game for you and I to dabble our toes into just for a short while. I think it's also a little free toe to play. Da- a little toe, toe dabble. A little toe dabble. I'm not ready to commit whole hog to an MMO anytime in the near future. Just straight up no time for that. Uh, but it would be cool to explore this game, especially because I think um, the recent Morrowind expansion, which of course caught my caught my attention given the fact that I'm a diehard Morrowind fan, Um I think I think you can actually start in the Morrowind expansion. You don't have to play the uh, the original content. So if that's mm-hmm. the case, I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind farting around in there a little bit. Spring <laughs> farting around, springboard right into that desirable content. Yeah, uh, the Warhammer Forty Thousand Inquisitor game is coming out for PC on June fifth. It looks like basically Diablo in space. Uh, the game actually looks really cool, though. It's got um, some very customizable gear, so you can actually um, you can actually throttle the amount of battle wear on your character in in this again in this uh, action RPG Diablo style. It's just it's interesting. It feels like there's a lot of customization Finally. you can do here. Yeah, it's neat. Um, so that's coming out. I think the console version was delayed until July, though, which is kind of a bummer because I'm pretty sure I'm only going to pick this up to on PlayStation. the PS4, right? Yeah. Making it the PS4, which is awesome for, like, as you know, Warhammer has had to backbench it a bit in terms of releases, but this is a, this is a mainstream release. Well, you know, they have a lot of different studios that have um, have licensed their, their, their IP for video games. You know, there have been, and I think there's actually been a few good ones recently, uh, Plague something or other. You, you purchased it, right? The, um, oh, what the per- hell is it? It's a fantasy. It's a, it's a Warhammer fantasy one, and I purchased and then did not play it. So, oh, you didn't um, play it. I, gotcha. I, like, it, I had an intention to play it, so that's saying something, right? Yeah, there you go. I mean, it, yeah, that one I understand was actually pretty good, but there's been a ton of stinkers in the world of Games Workshop and their IP. Like, I remember Fire Warrior came out. It's a, it's a story that follows kind of the hyper-futuristic Tau, uh, and it was just about one of the worst first-person shooter games I've ever played in my life. And I say that with full confidence because I really wanted to like that game and really it yeah. was just unplayable. Um, Benefit of the doubt was was ready to be delivered. Yeah, so, you know, traditionally Warhammer 40,000 hasn't had the best video game releases. Uh, R- Dawn, of, go. Dawn of War being a notable exception. Uh, but this so far from what I've read is tracking very well. There's a dedicated group of people that although many folks will still take path of exile over pretty much any new Diablo style, um, ARPG, uh, there's definitely already a little community cropping up around this one. So I I may be interested in trying it. Like, listen, sci-fi Diablo, anything I'm, I'm into, you know? Yeah, you'll give it the old college try, and you want that's like we've discussed in previous episodes. You want it to be good. It's a good, uh, you know, piece of uh, IP, and uh, you know, I think one of the times that they're gonna they're gonna land on it. Nice to see it on a PS4 release because that that means that like I find as long as uh, you know it's it's given the attention. Uh, that that sounds like a title that's gonna do well because they don't release too many stinkers onto the PS4 like to that level. It's just not worth the attention if it's not going to sell. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Oh dude, what was this? So there was an article that you stumbled across earlier about a new gaming phone by Asus. I'm trying to wrap my brain around this because the idea of another company trying to come out with a dedicated gaming phone, like who is that for exactly? It feels like a niche audience, right? Like it's like somebody who wants a, Game Boy type experience that's you know wants a handheld, 
um, you know, but but wants to spend what it costs to put be a very good phone. So we're talking high meg- megapixel camera and fast large storage. Right. Uh, you know, a, a screen and a, a pile of outputs. And uh, yeah, you, you wonder what kind of gamble it is in, in a really crowded market. It's cool that somebody's trying it out. So this bad boy is called the. I'm reading it as. Is it Rogue? It's R-O-G. Is that Rogue? The A says R-O-G, I guess. Yeah. Rogue. You're supposed to say R-O-G? You're not going to call it a ROG. Rog. You're not calling your new product a ROG. Nobody is. <laughs> no. So no. it's got like the you, ability You get that one into s- the focus testing group and everybody just shakes their heads. <laughs> what does no, everybody we'll take, think of ROG? We'll take um, our $20 I think that's not a word. Yeah. ROG isn't a thing. <laughs> and the fact <laughs> that English has passed up ROG up to this point, like looked at the, the combinations of these three letters and said, no, thank you. It tells you something about who wants it and who exactly, doesn't. Exactly, exactly. Just the sound uh, puts a shiver in my spine and a, and a rattle in my bones. ROG, ROG went, ROG went up on the board and, and some French guy went, put walks up and like throws a U and an E and that is like, don't you mean ROG? Oh, don't you mean <laughs> ROG? Or perhaps Rouge. I think some, someone someone wrote Rog one time, and a and a portal to the third dimension of Cthulhu opened. So I, I just mm. we want to overall stay away from Rog. The Nal Rog Tep. So the R O G. Uh, let's go that direction. Yeah, man. So uh, Variety was reporting on this. Um, you know, it's got a lot of things that you want on a gaming phone. That you know, when you've been playing on your iPhone, you've said this feels like crap. You know, uh, uh, accessories that are physical triggers on. Oh. The, uh, Science, oh, that's right? a, that's interesting. Like, yep. So, uh, okay, because that's one of my biggest issues with um, with phone gaming is, especially if there's a need to action on something at any point. There's no great way to do that. If there's like a press this button to take an action, specifically a combat action, usually um, that never feels satisfying when you're tapping a screen. I feel like pulling a trigger would be the the first major step towards a game that I want to play mobile. Yeah, and I, I don't think you're alone. It seems like this is a thing they're really sporting as the the one of the big features. It's kind of it's built in. Um, it's got a powerful CPU, you know, two three gigahertz, um, with some uh, you know some fast fast RAM, eight gigs. It comes in a one twenty eight and uh, got all the RAMs gig version. Yeah, the, the half a ter- you can get up to a half a terabyte of storage on this bad boy. I mean, that's um, amazing. <clears throat> so, but let me let me just shut this down for a second. Who like again? Who is this for? Because it's not for, it's, it's very specifically for someone who wants, I guess, the cost savings of having to not buy a phone and a handheld. I, I can't imagine anybody who wants a phone, uh, like a professional, for example, someone who is working on this phone, there's, there's no way they're going to walk into their office or their place of work with a phone that also has trigger buttons on it and be, you know, expect to be taken seriously. So it's not for most general adults. And if you've got an expensive phone um, that is largely a glorified gaming device, it has to have a robust enough platform of games that are of high enough production value. And in this ecosystem, I can't imagine how much greater the development will be other than you know outside of the current pool of android offerings or ios offerings and you know it also has to be someone who's dedicated enough to playing those games that they want to sacrifice let's assume uh is the the form of the phone having trigger buttons on a phone means that it's probably less likely to feel comfortable in your pocket yeah i just i don't get who's who's putting up their hand and picking this up 
So Andy, it's interesting because as I'm looking through this, they seem to have, they've made it a little bit module. So when it seems like when you wanna just use it as a phone, I'm looking at this thing on the Variety's website and it looks like an iPhone, um, you know, that maybe has some stealth technology on it. There's a little bit of low key like stealth <laughs> design on it, but it, it is shaped like an iPhone. Maybe maybe the dimensions are slightly different. And then when you want to put in the gaming mode, it appears like you snap it into another case, which like uh, takes it to its uh, its its Super Saiyan form with these triggers. And then on top of that, it seems I'm to sorry, be you're a, carrying a, a like you're carrying a case around with you to activate the gaming they're, side. They're, of it? They they seem like there's built-in buttons that are super low key. And then if you're somebody who wants to use it and it looks like a a full out you know gaming device, you snap these additional things on and it gets a little bit bulkier. But when I'm looking at it, its normal version, it doesn't look. It looks like a, a an iPhone, like a big one, like an iPhone eight plus or whatever. Yeah. Really, now that I'm, now like that I'm looking at it, you're exactly right. It's like and, someone someone took a cyberpunk version of an iPhone. Yeah, and it's it looks like a pretty decently sized screen. I'll, I'll pop over and look at the dimensions in a second. So I mean, and it it almost is like they're taking a little bit of a nod from the Wii crowd because of a couple of these snap ons that I'm seeing look not that dissimilar from Joy-Con controllers that snap around the outside. You mean um, uh, you mean the Switch? Yeah, sure. When, when you say and, when you say the Wii, it blows my mind. Yeah, I know. Because the, Wii, um, the Wii specifically was a console that was plagued with having just a ridiculous amount of um, molded plastic peripherals for doing dumb yeah. shit. <laughs> so, for sure, yeah. yeah but yeah. that well, actually I mean, seems the like Labo's an apt comparison the next, here. The next generation of that, right? So um, it also snaps in along like the Switch into a, a stand that has it like an HDMI 1080p or 4K external display connection. So if, if you needed a, a pretty powerful computer to just roll around with, um, I haven't taken a close look at what the video card card is. This will just snap into a monitor and get a keyboard and mouse in the in, at play, and you got yourself like not a half bad gaming rig. And I know game PC gamers are like rolling their eyes like gamer rig. Like get the hell out of here, Dan. Eight gigs of RAM. Like you need to shut up and stop talking. But yeah, like I mean, if you're somebody who's playing, you know, anything up to you know, WoW would run nice on this. I don't know. Sorry, I, I'm not. I'm not getting this. My understanding of this is that it's still to play Android games. I'm pretty sure it's running on the Android platform exclusively. So I could what be can wrong. You not get on. What can you not get on Android? Everything on the Play Store and anything you can emulate. Uh, yeah. Okay, I understand. But I just my understanding is that you know specifically with Android, there's. Uh, I, I don't think this platform is going to allow you to install a conventional PC games. So I mean, and it would be cool if it if it could. It's uh the processor is two point nine six gigabytes, eight gigs of RAM. I don't know what the video or uh, it's an. I, I want to say dot 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 dot. So you nope, can stream you can stream games to your Android with Steam Link, um, and I think there's a couple other ways. In fact, Android also had an app that worked with I believe Apple products that did mm. a similar sort of Steam linking thing, but they actually just torpedoed it out of the App Store. So it seems like Asus is and Android is making a play at getting into this niche of the market. Um, you know, 
Because more and more devices are all just kind of like computers with different veneers over top. Yeah, I mean, I think you could only consider this a computer in as much as you could consider a Microsoft Surface a computer, right? You got you to gotta hack it around if you want to do any actual gaming on it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so long story short, I don't love the, the external case model. Like, I think you can right now take iPhones and there are um, external molded cases that can act as controller inputs for it. So if that's the case, you know, this is this is pretty much the same thing except integrated. And yeah, I mean, it'd be it, I, really the strength of the games that would be on this platform are about the only reason I could see ever wanting to switch over if it was genuinely a unique environment that had unique games on it. You never know. But if it's just a phone that can play Android games with an extra peripheral and a lot more power, I don't know, maybe less lag on uh, Plants vs. Zombies is desirable? Not for me, though. Yeah, I wonder what the limitations are for it on the software side. That's going to have a lot to say about the success of something like this. How uh, How is that CBD Kush hitting you, buddy? I feel like I'm talking like Leonard Nimoy right now. <laughs> it, got, it got cerebral yeah. up in this... Up in the uh, I just meant I just meant with the um, the slow measured pacing of the tone, which suggests having you know a very intellectual conversation. But you know, again, you started to sound like David. At, this is this is a case of Andy writing the sentence he's saying as he says it, which means like got to keep it at a gentle pace here. I'm writing, I'm creating road as I'm driving on it here, people. Let's keep it around thirty kph. Wow, amazing. Jeez, uh, quite the thing. Dan, did you ever play Red Faction? Yeah, yeah, buddy. I, I got on that on that particular uh, color Red Faction was side. a gem. It was a gem yeah. indeed. Um, yeah, you talked about it. it was on your top 20 there, Bruda. No, it wasn't. Red Faction? I don't think it was on my top 20. I can't remember <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. This is me Ooh. sighing into the mic. Um, Okay, right the ship. Red Faction. Right. So back in, I don't know, 2013, I want to say. Yeah, back in 2013, uh, Freshman of Bel Air has been canceled for five years. (laughs) When did Fresh Prince go off the air? It was 1991 to, I believe, 1997. Trick question. The answer is too soon. You got me. Boom. Boom. So Head Red shot. Faction at some point, 2010, 2013, 2007, I don't know. But they came out with a PS3 um, title entitled Gorilla that nobody played. Red Faction Gorilla was a game that lost $36 million for THQ. I believe put them into bankruptcy. So not a particularly cheery and upbeat uh, past. Andy, this article feels like I'm being choked on my front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you can you spear us to the end? Can you get me the upswing and then get me out of here? Oh my god! <laughs> you know, funny funny story. When I was uh, probably an early teenager, I had my ear pierced on a front lawn, and this fears a lot like that. Um, <laughs> Jesus! Oh, <laughs> I just, so boy, uh, boy. I hate to take you out on the knees on this particular this particular joint, but let's let's speed it along. Yes, yes, no kidding. So anyway, Gorilla, nobody played it, um, but did somehow bounce back. Over the past few years, it's it's garnered a bit of a cult following. Again, one of the, one of those other titles that nobody liked, and but it's 
company into bankruptcy, but still maintained a solid following. Uh, That's another all it company, takes is one game, one not even bad game, like just a mediocre game. Like yep. it was enough to end your studio now. And Blizzard looks over you and it's like, what's that? Six out of ten. Yeah, we're we're buying your shop up and firing everybody. <laughs> good luck oh, though. Terrible. What are you? you had a good show. You had a good show. Good game, terrible. everybody. So there's a company called Kaiko, which uh, seems to be on a tear for doing uh, ba for doing remasters, Darksiders, yeah. War Master yep. Edition that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so yeah, this is a, this is a remaster of the game with much better graphics, I imagine. Right. Expanded upon the original kind of blurry, dreary palette from PS3. Sure. Uh, they didn't but choose to make them worse. That's good. It, that's a, it's a that's an upside. Big <laughs> thumbs great. up on improving Improved graphics. You say, but this is this is this is actually like okay. So the name of the title is Red Faction Guerrilla Remastered. Not particular. Not particularly play. playing on words. Word it play. sounds amazing though because this is a functionally like Grand Theft Auto like game, except it's set on Mars in the future. So everything why they call it. Why didn't they call it Fourth Rock from the Sun? Yeah, who knows? But it, everything is fully destructible, which I think is the most charm uh, of Red Fa or the biggest charm of Red Faction, because yeah. for some reason it's the only game in recent memory, at the very least, that even attempts to do that, which blows my mind a little bit. You think that'd be a more common um, theme outside of Red Faction and Minecraft? Yeah, it's a bold it's a bold pillar to pivot your entire game around. But uh, yeah. yeah, another there's another game that does that that actually just got delayed. And it's, it starts with a C. It's the third in the edition. Its name is slipping my mind. And we are done. Okay, great. All right, Red Faction. It's coming in July. Uh, so let's let's shift gears here to High Times. High Times did an article recently called The Best Duds to Hide Your Buds. And it's 420 friendly clothing with um, different little practical uh, elements for your weed carrying goodness. Practical is in quotes there. Air quotes on the practical. Product number one is the dopest hoodie hoodie ever made by Rollaware. So Dan, would you wear a hoodie that had a stash pocket in the hood, a roach clip at the end of your uh, of your cord that runs down from your sweatshirt, and a rolling pad on the inside of your sweatshirt? So yes, no, yes. Especially because every hood is a little bit of a pouch for your weed. Like let's be let's be honest. Yeah, for sure. Great place. I'm with you um, on that one. Roach clip at the end of the thing. That feels like a mistake. Deep down, that feels like a mistake. It feels like something you're gonna regret summoning into the world. It's just gonna get a little stinky. Smelly, smelly dangler. Nobody yeah. wants a smelly dangler. No, no, nobody wants. I mean, you got to be a real smelly person for a smelly dangler. Um, boy. The next one is a Anabis purse. Pardon? Anabis. Anabis just come, sounds come, come again. Anabis. Now is this a Anabis. purse that you can that you can put some stash in and then that purse goes into your posterior? Because an Anabis <laughs> sounds like it slides into your rectum. It sounds sounds like a medical device of some sort. Um, $245 US. It is a fancy little purse thing for putting your lighters, mints, makeup, and vape pens in. Dan, if you ever needed one. Uh, there's a hat here by No Bad Ideas. A by the way, now, it should be noted that one. this Anabis is 230 American dollars. Just said that. Um, the next <laughs> item here... <laughs> 
<laughs> the next item here is is actually a pretty solid idea by an, a, a company appropriately titled No Bad Ideas. It's a discreet ball cap. This looks like a standard, pretty nice looking black hat of woven material. Not bad. High times on sourcing this guy. And um, there is a little pocket right behind the bill for stashing your weed. Now, I feel like Plenty of people have tried to stash weed in their hat, but this gives you that extra assurance that it's not either A, sliding up to the top of your dome to get all sweaty with the rising condensation, or B, falling out when you're not looking. You know what? I you know what I realized you can you could hide joints in your hat. When when's that? When a, when a security guard at a concert took my hat off and felt around the liner, I was like, oh, oh. and and. and I get the TSA making me take my shoes off because when I encountered that, I said to myself, all my weed is going into my sock because I know for a fact you're not going to make me take my shoes off. Okay, and wait a minute. But how about this next thing here? Because let me tell you, this is this is the mo- this is the money maker right here. Yeah, yeah. By by the by, speak easy. These are boxers, male boxer briefs with a pocket on the front of the boxers for you to stash your weed in. It's a little zippered pocket that looks like it would be the doorway to your peeper, but in fact, it is a totally separate pocket, insulated and ready for your uh, for your can of beasts. So unless now, someone is literally pinching your hog, they will not know that that bulge, you're not just happy to see them, it's weed. 50% of the time, to be honest. And this thing would this thing <laughs> would have my my purchase except for it's made two crucial errors. Number 1, the zipper is horizontal, not vertical. It makes no sense. You'd never want to uh, pull your dangle out of that. It would get graded into a, a Listen, fine man, mist. If, someone, if someone, is, someone is in a space where they're examining the direction of this zipper, you've already gone far enough that you're in trouble. I understand this. I understand this. But it's a simple design flaw. It's a simple design flaw. I disagree. Second, Go ahead. Wait, Andy, please. I have the floor. <laughs> so, uh, secondly... They could have got me with one te- one little descriptor would have made this a sale. Waterproof. It says nowhere around here. Moisture barrier, waterproof. Yeah, now, that's the only thing. Of, there's a smack of cheese on this particular herb. Oh, just a, dude. Just a, a gentle, so- <laughs> is that a gentle lemon haze? Like a sour diesel. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's an issue if you're not putting raw herb in your boxer pocket. I think common sense would dictate that you need to throw that guy in there in some sort of you know, plastic container or pouch. Andy, think. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not smoking anything that you've transported. Now that's that's a promise. Draw <laughs> the line, sir. Your standards uh, are simply not high enough. No, man, I keep my I keep my weed stashed in my Eagle Creek bra. I mean, I feel like, so here's the thing. I feel like having a a secret stash compartment in a bra is just unnecessary. The woman who's going to smuggle something in her bra, the the addition of a pocket doesn't really make it much different, I wouldn't think. It it just, you know, codifies an already in, in, in place process. Yeah quite the thing uh vaporware let's let's hurry along here vaporware made a hoodie where the drawstring at your neck is uh, is actually a hose that connects to your vape so you can pocket your vape and uh pull up your pull up your uh drawstrings for a little hoot sir your sweater is leaking yeah this is a great ball game favorite that's right a good here. one. That's a good one. And and actually, this feels like how we all smoke in the future. Everybody just rolls around and every now and again takes a little hoot off their drawstring. That's very much, that, that feels Blade Runner to me. 
Yeah, yeah. Does, Speaking absolutely. of which, Blade Runner 2045, the only time I ever experienced that much emotion over an artificial intelligence. Broke my little nice. heart. Nice, yeah. 10 out of 10, that film. Never never gets, the best movies never get enough attention. That, oh, that this one's is, a 10 out of 10. For sure. This is some James Bond shit. The Secret Hidden Stash Watch. Now I can see myself going this direction. It's a, uh, now it's disconcerting that they've smuggled pills in there. I don't know about that. Money Penny, have you replaced my suicide caplet with chiclets? <laughs> they're going like to torture me to death. This is an $11 hidden hidden stash watch so you actually remove the face of the watch and you have your little uh, your little weed compartment underneath but they've gone the extra mile in turning this um the hour hand into like a knockoff mercedes-benz symbol so not only oh, do, you, uh, <laughs> do you look like that's you're a pretty it. standard watch face that that one's that's like a, it's a pull it's a reproduction of a seiko or not a seiko but a citizen watch uh-huh. is what they've gone for here and what I love about this picture is they didn't bother to make sure the watch fit the model's arm. So it's like visibly and uncomfortably pinching his wrist and arm hair. Oh, yeah. It's all <laughs> he good, needs though. those. Those are painkillers for the wrist pain that he's now experiencing. <laughs> Someone get this man some marijuana. He's part of the opioid crisis. Um, San Francisco's Daily Shoes has uh, a range of boots with a zipper pocket on it. I feel like if I'm a security guard and you're hiding weed in your boot, I'm probably going to just unzipper the big statement compartment and find out what's inside. I don't think that one's particularly covert. Uh, now, and then I, I don't I buy the cards. It shows like some money, a card, but it's it's selling to me that I'm comfortably fitting keys in the slim line of this boot leather. And to that, I say impossible, sir. Take your take your lies and peddle them elsewhere. Mm-hmm. The next one is a jacket. It's a jacket by five, five, five soul. It's a bomber jacket. And I would think that most jackets have pockets. So I'm not really understanding. Oh, there's a secret. There's a trademark secret pocket in here, and, and I don't know where that they, is. They pad is, the, the areas to to make it the lines look smoother. And what mm. it looks like is this man has had a few too many, um, you know, uh, sourdough rolls. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it doesn't look it doesn't look fashionable. It looks like it, this man is of normal size, but it makes him look like he's just consumed in and out burger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next one is is another TSA nightmare. It's a belt with a zipper on the inside. Oh, a belt with a zipper that runs the entire length of it. You're not getting any do questions for that at the airport. Do you want to look chunky and terrible? Wear this fatty coat followed by this this jacket full of liquid and padding. You're just like trundling along. <laughs> uh, uh, finally, it's a designer necklace by Inda Creations made of raw brass. Looks a little bit like either a pen or a bullet. Can't decide which. And it unscrews on both ends to turn into a pipe. Uh, as well as a storage compartment. Looks a lot like, listen, man, if you're wearing a strange, long, cylindrical, decorative necklace around your neck, I'm not going to assume you have weed. I'm going to assume that you're carting around some cocaine like they did in that movie. So You have some, I, uh, have some liquid es- ecstasy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is, yeah. this, is not, this is not the direction I'd want to go if I was being secretive. If I wanted to be mistaken for uh, a, a loose cannon drug-addled fiend, I'd probably go this direction. Yeah, if you needed to deliver some cesium number 14 to an unsuspecting uh, British spy, this would be the way you do it. But I think this one would fall victim to another thing where covered in, you know, burnt plant stuff and resin and now you're going to hang it around your neck and smell like a, you know, a, a, a funky St. Bernard. <laughs> 
hundred percent. I don't think you're. I don't think you're concealing much of anything from anyone when resin starts to leak out of the of the joins and it stinks like uh you know like your like your uncle Bill's uh, double wide. So you know what? Anyway. We're so bad. High Times opens their doors to us, welcomes us inside with a uh, a happy hand and a smile. And we we come into their living room and proceed to kick over every piece of furniture and picture of their children they have. It's like, oh, it's here's something I made. I'm like, that's pretty nice. And <laughs> we just spit on it. Just get it. Just light it a flame with your lighter. Um, yeah, no, it's it's genuinely. High Times does the Lord's work in coming up with these lists because they're they're yes. actually entertaining. I mean, sourcing this this many 420 friendly uh, peripherals, I, I have to imagine, is not the easiest job on earth. And so I will say that 99% of the time they nail it, but then you get the fatty coat and it's, uh, you know, you have to have a little chuckle. Come on. You got to have you know some what, fun buddy? with that. They're, they're trolling us. I, I, the whole thing's a troll and... I got to say, if I had to, Mr. or Mrs. uh, Hadley to Mickey, great article. It's got some good transitions. And if I had to write it, it would undoubtedly be worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know what else could be worse? Mr. Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, his cannabis crackdowns per uh, per a Leafly article, the way that they framed it, have uh, have begun to take their toll on California uh, and other legal states in get this the most positive application you could have asked for. So get, get this set up. Mr. Sessions, after very quickly learning that the president was not going to back him up on his war on cannabis, um, has, you know, uh, found new hope in the ability to bust all of those rather pesky gray market uh, underground marijuana businesses that aren't operating legally within you know the state of California, et cetera. Um, and they've they focused all of their federal ire on those folks leaving the uh, legitimate cannabis businesses that are you know open and forthcoming and not necessarily tied to potential criminal activity uh, to operate in the clear without that unfair competition. So kind of neat how that turned Hi, itself around. I'm just Jeff Sessions, and I forgot that we really like federal tax dollars, and everyone I was counting on backing me up, well, they left the room 30 minutes ago, so I'm going to go ahead and wheel that right back. And uh, I'm going to abandon everybody that I have also propped up to have this argument. Like my good friend over here in Oklahoma, uh, Senator, I think it's uh, James Lankford, who's <laughs> urging voters in his state to reject medical marijuana because it'll be harmful to families and dangerous to our communities. Is that a senator from <laughs> Oklahoma? I was pretty sure oh. that was Kenneth from 30 Rock. Buddy, this guy is is Kenneth to a T. He's he's ninety percent Kenneth, ten percent um, uh, um, Kennedy. He's got like just a little bit of Kennedy brushed on top, right? And uh, it's it's it might get him in. I don't know, buddy. He's 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 going uphill on this one, but. Uh, it's going to be harmful to the social fabric of Oklahoma because we that's where we see in in all the legalized state, states the social fabric has just has just collapsed yes he said to to quote him well sorry to paraphrase him because I don't have the quote in front of me um, I don't think our communities are going to be better when parents and grandparents are smoking weed to which I say I disagree <laughs> I think I, everybody's going to be opposite. a whole lot I happier I think you'll find James that just the opposite is true yeah <laughs> oh goodness well uh, i man, uh, i wish him the out, best check this, out. this i got this has to be said most of us have seen the firsthand damage done to families in our communities from recreational marijuana use there you go uh cheetos bags strewn about 
uh, highways to slowed to 30 kilometers an hour and uh, not a murder in six months. <laughs> it's so true. It's funny because like it's the it's the classic. We all think this when really nobody thinks that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wish him all the best in his uh, in his beautiful Oklahoma, uh, and I also wish him a joint someday. Uh, in June twenty sixth, they're doing a vote on this motion that he's trying to pass to block, um, you know, medical marijuana, and I'm looking forward to seeing James Langford to go down in smoke and then lose his seat in the mid- in the midterms. That would be just a great signal. And then uh, have a pleasant afternoon blitzed out on some purple kush. Um, you know, Dan, a little while ago, so we're going we're gonna to park this train in the station here shortly. A couple more things I wanted to touch on, but I, I, have, to, I have to give you a little guilty confession because a little while ago I downloaded a game. God, what the hell is the name of it? It's, it's irrelevant. It's a, some sort of whatever fantasy-themed game, but it's an auto-clicker. It was the first game of its type that I've ever <laughs> actually interacted with and the game concept is completely foreign to me functionally what these games do is play themselves so you download this app it was for for my iphone and uh these auto clicker games all you have to do is log into them and hit one button again and again and again and again with the intention of making uh, your followers increase your levels go up your numbers get bigger loot rain from the sky And what was fascinating is, initially, of course, it sounds in concept like a terrible, ridiculous, non-functional idea. What I found myself doing was genuinely enjoying the experience, sitting there looking at my, you know, my uh, my little army of fantasy creatures get more and more powerful just by pressing a single button in repetition. It made me question myself a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Have you had have any experience with these guys? Buddy, you know, your friend that I really like, not the one that I don't like. Uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, that one. I saw him play one of these games, and what it looked like to me, like installing a dopamine pump in your brain. Exactly. Because there was a screen, and so many things were happening, and he was doing all of them. How was he doing them, you'd, you'd ask? Oh, by tapping. Hmm, seems easy enough, but he is tapping a lot, and a lot of things are happening. And my eyes like dilate a little bit. I'm like, hmm, dopamine pump. So, like, uh, spiritually, I say no, but I get how my brain would, is, would be kind of like, why don't you just try it on for Zaz? It's so weird, man, because, you know, it's a game designed with all of the conventional trappings of an RPG with a ton of options. You know, you've yeah. got infinite little pleasing 8-bit characters that you can recruit, and you level them up into more powerful, better things, and you gain loot, and you gain coins, and you gain treasure, and you uh, watch as your characters do all the work running across the landscape and slaughtering hordes of enemies, and you're like, wow, why did I ever play games before? All I needed to do was press this button, and they would do all the cool shit for me, and it's incredible how long that experience of of getting satisfaction from pressing a button goes on they call it a skinner's box right it's a it's a game uh, heavily focused on creating those exactly you said little hits of dopamine through we won't say false achievement i won't say that no one can ever achieve anything in a video game that's that's ridiculous but uh genuinely the achievement that comes from interacting with a video game except without any of the challenge it's Wow, a fascinating yeah, experience. 
you know what, man, I get that. And what also, you know, back in 1991, Gene Roddenberry warned me against a phenomenon like this in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called The Game, uh, season five, episode six, in which a uh, very addictive game slowly takes over the the crew of the Enterprise uh, doing some brainwashing stuff while it, it has a disguise of a little auto-clicker type game. And you really get it when the, the lady's like, she's just in the elevator and, and uh, Wesley, who's going to... It's a Wesley episode, everybody, so belt in. It's, a, it's actually a pretty good one. But she's like, what level are you on? He's like, oh, I'm on 12. She's like, I'm on 36. She's like, it's, it's almost if you just relax, the game will play itself. And that's what this is. Wow. Just let it go. Just let it go. There you go. Damn. Yeah, it's Damn. Uh, it's it's fascinating. I found a top 10 list, and actually the number one game on this top 10 list is called Idle Pouring. Did you ever play Ragnarok online? Uh, fun fact, it was Ashley Judd was the co-star in that episode. Got her start. Um, nobody, I haven't. Yeah, Ragnarok online was a... I, I feel like I've said early 2000s a lot this episode but was an early 2000s mmo that was uh, it's an anime very stylized one and uh they appear to now have an idle clicker game it's called idle pouring and it's all about gaining experience for your archer major warrior uh defeating monsters gaining equipment and doing it all with the tap of a button cool quite quite the thing i mean i don't know if there it is go. cool the question is are these games i don't know uh um, in the strictest sense, I mean, the, the game fact is very short. It just says, are you tapping? Could you tap more? <laughs> yeah, I mean... It, it, how, how much are you tapping, would you say, on a scale of one to tap? And you like know, the, scale the of equipment one that to you get, The equipment that you get and, the, and the, the rewards that are given to you only serve to help your tapping become more efficient. And the funny right. thing is, when you strip away all of the other variables that you can increase through, for example, equipment in a video game, things that help you defeat monsters more readily or things that help you deal with your environment more readily, when you strip all of that away, you're still fundamentally doing the same thing. You're helping yourself progress through the game quicker, but it's only helping you tap more efficiently. It's so utterly constructed that you start to think to yourself, does anything in video games present any sort of meaningful challenge? Yeah, or is it all just a more elaborate back button those press? Layers, it's dangerous. It's you know, dangerous, you don't want to start making those fun. criticisms too tightly. But let me tell you this, Andy. There's there's no cyber athlete league rising out of this uh today's top tappers are gathered from around the world here in las vegas in 2019 to see who are the tappiest oh man yeah it's uh it's it's all fun and games the first year and then the ninth year it looks like caesar's palace in atlantic city at two o'clock in the afternoon just sad yeah buddy and you'd know you'd know you've 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 seen the horrors for yourself Oh, boy. You know who else is seeing some horror right now? Canadian beer manufacturers, uh, which is <laughs> which is interesting. So there's a little article going around. Mary Jane uh, has posted about it here, although I've seen it in a couple other choice spots. Um, Canadian beer brewers are getting a little bummed out about weed and the taxes that cannabis producers are paying, which currently, in their assumption, is not enough. Uh, beer has been stifled over the past couple years. About 10% less beer is being drunk in Canada, which is kind of a thing. Uh, so they're pushing for higher taxes on cannabis to, I guess, dissuade people from choosing cannabis over beer. I got to ask the important question, though, Dan. Why separate them? Weed and beer. I think they're probably one of the greatest combinations. Oh, man. Um, you're making me walk a thin line because 
it is something that is divergent for me because those flavor profiles, they're kind of at odds for me a lot of time. Like, for instance, like if you're having like a really hoppy beer, that's going to replace a lot of that bud flavor. Do you know what I mean? And and conversely, I feel like the best beer to go with uh, the herb is something that maybe I wouldn't normally drink. Um, you know, like a, a Corona or a, another type of lager. Like a lighter you know, beer, maybe, yeah. Maybe an, an MGD. The real winner, and, and I mean, I'm going to get some booze and hisses maybe from some of our brewer friends here, but uh, a, a Stiegel Radler pairs right. really well. And it's like light and fruity and... You know, uh, normally I'm a I'm a Guinness dude, and and maybe you can find the pairings out there. Hey guys, maybe you guys should write in uh, the uh, the best beer weed combinations. Yeah, I feel like we should, that's uh, that's a, that's an episode we can do. I feel like that's a good one, and and I'm inter- I'm excited about it. Yeah, Purple Dungeon Squad, uh, hit us up. Best uh, uh, weed beer combos. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, I think it's the with with beers. I get what you're saying because. When you're when you're smoking cannabis, the bitter what I find to be the bitter part of my tongue that that it does tend to enjoy the the hoppier beers, for example, goes away a little bit in favor of things like sugar and salt and fat. Um, and so a Stiegel Rattler, as an example, with a little bit of that sugar in there, I can see being pretty pleasant. Uh, still, though, I you know I, I find I find Guinness as an example is really pleasurable to drink after a joint. I don't know, it's it's. Um, it's a place where I feel like beer can almost be better appreciated after smoking. Interesting. Yeah, I think there's space for that too. Indeed. And you know, um, just before we shut it down here, pal, Red Dead Redemption 2. I know you're excited about that one. Um, recently, there's some information been released that it's going to have some platform exclusivity. So I don't think the game is going to be exclusive to PS4 necessarily, but some features or some DLC or something or other is going to be coming exclusively to PlayStation. And, you know, I was thinking to myself about it because I think Destiny did the same thing um, for for PlayStation and then uh, Players Ultimate Battleground, I think, went straight platform exclusive on Xbox. Uh, so you can't even play that on PS4. I got to ask, platform exclusivity, is there any value there for the customer? What do you think? Like, I see it being marketed. They're like, hey, if you have a PS4, you get access to this, this exclusive shit. But really, what's the value there? Do I really care that Xbox people can't have the same silly hat as my Red Dead Redemption guy? You got two ways to go. It's either the fun hat that's on the side of that case of beer. Like, if you don't get that one and some guy else picks it up first as the last case, you're not going to buy it. Unless it goes all the other ways where it's like the key thing that makes that thing awesome and work and come together. And then you've gone too far and you've like, you've hobbled your game. So, I mean, hopefully you go the fun hat way and it's not a big deal. Yeah, Otherwise it's not you're, a, you've, you've I crippled, agree. You've crippled yourself. You've, you've, you've done it dumb. You did it wrong. I agree. I feel like, uh, you know, a silly hat or something trivial like that, though, probably isn't enough of a business case for a platform like Sony uh, to want to shell out for what I imagine is an exclusive deal. Right. Do it like Soul Calibur and lock down Link on one console and Spawn on another and uh, Hihachi on the third and just be done. Everybody gets a everybody gets their own widget. That's awesome. That's a great idea, actually. That's like the, the Pokemon red blue. Uh, no, model. F- no favorite children, right? Right, exactly. Just, you all, you all get something cool. You all get something cool. Actually, that's a great idea, um, and also helps those studios cut a deal with three as opposed to one. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Listen, for me, play, platform exclusivity. 
or anything that stops me from playing the game I want on the platform of my choice just smacks badly. Now, that may be because I'm a Mac gamer. <laughs> so Some might say I have the most exclusive platform. Others might say I have a brain injury. Uh, a little, bit of a, little, little bit, bit of a sore subject. It's true. It's true. Oh, is that but, game coming to Mac? Like there's a young, idealistic Andy, and then time after time, the game never came to take you to that ball game. And eventually, you just stop looking out the front window. Yeah, it's it's been a rough ride, let me tell you. I, I recall, especially actually now, a lot of the games that I do want to play, uh, I'm able to find on on the Steam Store for Mac. Um, but I recall, like you know, around the same time that I was really into World of Warcraft, there were MMOs coming out all the time, or games that I was super stoked to try. And it, functionally, every time, you know, there was always six forum threads of "Is this coming to Mac?" And um, after two, three, four, five months of development, the definitive answer was always no. <laughs> so it was just a some, sad period Some of time. underling comes out, they trot them out down for him, and they're like, you know it's not. Sorry, we're, uh, we're trying to actually turn a profit here, you and do your this? platform Sharon, does not let us do that. Why do you have to do this? I know I hurt you. I know I broke your heart. Stop calling. Like. <laughs> no doubt. All righty, Dan. Well, it's been another day. Another day, another dollar, another Purple Dungeon Squid. Listener questions or games you want us to play, purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Hey, and you remember how you're going to tell your friend, uh, Steve, about the, the podcast? Man, Steve would love the show. Remember that thing I said earlier that made you laugh? Or that thing that Andy said that you're like, one well, idiot. Fucking tell Steve. He'd love to hear about it. Yeah, Steve already knows about it because Andy has already engineered a social interaction between us, and we're good friends. And Dan, he's my new co-host. There it is. He got me. It's got me. Set. Fired. 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 It's, it's only a matter of time. It's all done. Social interaction. I just have to say, shout out to Black Diamond. Uh, you have uh, you have been a real uh, mind eraser. Damn. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid. Until next time. Keep it dang. Keep it dang. Keep it gang. Keep it dang. Keep it dang. 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 Blah. Fuck, I am high.